the it's always the right time deal. Hey, want to go to Mickey D's for lunch? Ooh, let's go now. <laughs> But it's not lunchtime yet. If we're going to McDonald's, it's always the right time. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. There's a deal for every lunch hour at McDonald's. Now's the time to get two for $3.99. Mix and match a four-piece McNuggets, a McDouble, a McChicken, or a hot and spicy McChicken. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Do you have a note, Emily? Shocker. Shocker. <laughs> Emily's got a problem with my appearance. It's just that there's a white thing in your eyebrow. And what is it? it I don't know. It's you're jealous of my it's a, looks the, like a booger. I got laid and you didn't, and you're jealous. I got laid on Saturday. <laughs> First time in two years. So come at me. <laughs> well, I think he already did. <laughs> it was in his parents' house, right? <laughs> Emily is a new woman. I don't know what is going on, but she's getting laid. She's wearing lip liner. She's going to concert, goes to a concert once. Emily recently discovered concerts and <laughs> she was, she texted me on or whatever. I was FaceTiming you from wherever the fuck I was. Um, anytime I'm doing a, a show, uh, a, a comedy yucks show on the road, usually by the time I get back to the hotel, uh, The weirdest person I've ever seen <laughs> runs up to me and is like, oh, no. I'm friends with Emily. And I'm like, what? <laughs> That's so sad. No, they're not weird. They're just very like, like intense. And like, I'm like, oh, I, I, someone will walk up to me and I'm like, this person's friends with Emily. <laughs> like they'll be wearing like a charcoal gray turtleneck and like, like wedge boots. My brain is like, this person is coming from just like, like. American's human resource office to serve me papers. That's the energy they're coming at me with. The way they walk up to me is never like, hi, um, it's always like, hi, I'm friends with Emily. Like, like, and I have to like drop everything I'm doing. It's just like, okay, what are we? And then I met your friends and then they made me watch Sleight of Hand Magic <laughs> that I in the lobby. And I was, which was, it was, it was very fun, but I was like, you clearly know nothing about me. I know. Which is, I was upset about that. I it was really I, fun actually. I, I text I D I DM'd because I don't have her number, but I DM'd her and I was like, get that magician away from Whitney. <laughs> It's the only like truly the only thing that scares me is magic. Yeah. But the yeah. guy did do actually a very cool trick, which I will uh play, which made like a ring disappear. Like I was oh. wearing my my wild horse stone. So ring. he robbed you. And yeah, yeah, it's still gone. <laughs> and my wallet. He made my wallet disappear. <laughs> and then uh Uh, it would go off one finger and off another finger. And I was like, like ha having a woman, like he would put it on different fingers and you're just like, what happening? I'm like a 39 year old woman, like moving a ring around <laughs> to a ring finger by act. Like it's just a so very evil. risky thing to be doing, taking off it rings and putting them on like, but, um, Oh, okay, so Emily uh, is a new woman. Mm -hmm. Last night, we went to the Foo Fighters Studio 666 Ugh. premiere. Which Whitney is the star female lead. Oh, that's lead, very funny. That's very nice. Which is so good. Um, okay, so this is... Okay, so something's happening. My hair is now brown and... <gasps> you look 15. People... What does that mean? It means <sighs> for some reason, like colorful hair made you... You look younger with your God-given hair. Keep going. Keep going. Just waiting for you to step in shit right now. I'm complimenting you. <laughs> It's like me doing the the uh, clothing intervention earlier today. 
<laughs> I can't watch Emily wear these ratty t-shirts because you're like Carolyn beside Kennedy. We got it. And you'll wear like your nicest white t-shirt. And it's, you know, when you like worn it. Oh, the pit stains. No, it's not even, yes, there's a little the bit yellow. of that, But they're just like, it's too tight around the shoulders. Because I have. You have fake boobs. We I know. We all have, know. Yes. I do not have fake boobs. Okay. I do not. Sure. I really it's don't. It's fine. You don't have to lie to everyone. You don't think I would have asked him to fix my inverted nipple if <laughs> I had real, if I'd gotten them done? You think I'd be like, no, leave that. One headlight. <laughs> Please, doctor. <laughs> I didn't say you went to a doctor. <laughs> you went to some Rehoboth <laughs> Beach, like, kiosk. Oh, God. Um, okay, so I, uh, all of you are on notice, everyone I work with, <coughs> because, whatever so that means. Me I don't know what that means. I guess that means I'm going to text you back at some point. <laughs> You're going to take our, our notifications off silent? <laughs> That's a new thing for the app. I mean, the, the download, the update. The down date. <laughs> Emily went on a date. <laughs> um, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. <laughs> he didn't take me on a date. <laughs> he just took me to Pound Town. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I, okay, there's a couple things that actually make me cringe. And that is one of them. What? Do not say that. I have a. PT? I, yes. I don't, I'm not okay with that. <laughs> Axe wound, I will not, I'm not okay with. Axe you know what guys say like Oh my god. <laughs> I know. That and, should be illegal. And uh strange, I do not approve of. Strange. When some when guys are like, I'm gonna go get some strange. What does that mean? It means like I'm gonna go like have sex with some random girl. Like the guy that you on Saturday you were strange. That's not true. I, he's a friend of a he's a brother of a friend. So, he's a so he's a no. He's a brother. He's, he's my cousin. <laughs> It's not strange at all. It's not strange. It's incest. <laughs> I'm going to go get some incest. The it's always the right time deal. Hey, want to go to Mickey D's for lunch? Ooh, let's go now. <laughs> but it's not lunchtime yet. If we're going to McDonald's, it's always the right time. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. There's a deal for every lunch hour at McDonald's. Now's the time to get two for three ninety nine. Mix and match a four-piece McNuggets, a McDouble, a McChicken, or a hot and spicy McChicken. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. <laughs> the way you fucking... We are a little hungover. I'm not going to... Pound Town is nowhere near as bad as... Beef curtain. Oh, God. I don't think people really say that anymore, right, Pat? Just the kind of people Pat, I hang out with. Pat's a dad of two. <laughs> They're still saying it. They're still saying it. They're still saying it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in the chat room. He's on Reddit. <laughs> he's on Reddit. Right yeah, now. he's got he's to be up on the uh, the kids' lingo. Uh, I don't I don't love the word panties. Oh, well, who likes that? No one. Do you like rail and bail? <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. Just checking. Well, I don't. What kind of sex are people having? Because it makes me just wonder what kind of sex people are having. Like I don't. I lay down. My legs are together. <laughs> Like there's, there's a hole in the sheet. Yeah, there's not a lot of like. I mean, maybe back in the day, but like there's, there's not like a pounding. <laughs> like these words, like are like I murdered it. Like I pounded. I railed it. Like yeah, what do you mean? Yeah. No, you're right. I just think about you know when you like uh, go downstairs and there's a railing, you like jump on it and <laughs> is it that kind of rail? slide the, slide down? Everyone thinks that because then the first thing I think of rail, I think train. I'm like you ran a train. Oh, I'm. 
I'm too literal for these expressions. I, uh, yeah, no, I have sex once every two to three years, mm-hmm. and then I go back underground. <laughs> so um, I'll see what happens in two years, what we're saying. Okay, after the concert, uh, Emily and I— uh, Well, we, first of all, when is the Foo Fighters concert? It's got, Look, I don't get to go to concerts very often. I don't get to shows. We don't get to go see magical things. Like, we work at night, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I have to be the magical thing. People come see. <laughs> and Whitney's the concert. I don't get to see a bunch of, like, shows. No, my shows are way louder than the Foo Fighters. <laughs> Just me alone. Um, and uh, so it was like, it, you, you don't get jaded. You just go like, oh, I don't get to enjoy things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, You know? Yeah. And, or you're like, I have to film this to post it. Or it's right. like a band you don't like very much. Right. It was like, to be at the Foo Fighters show, which like, yeah, we know Dave. He's been on the podcast. He's yeah. so great and so cool. You forget he's like a famous rock star. It was pretty f- awesome. It was insane. It was awesome. I mean, it was, I was pinching myself. Um, okay, keep talking like, while I okay, look for this also, video. Also, Taylor Hawkins sang a Queen song, and Dave got on the drums, which that is was, that's insane. You, that's not something you see every day. No. Do you know how lucky we were to see that? We're going to post it for you guys so that you can see it, too. I filmed the whole thing and put it on my Instagram because I was like, we need to share this moment. It's But she doesn't archive things. She, she You guys have 24 hours to see it. And no, if you I don't, put it on the main feed. Oh, good. I didn't know you know how to do that. I'm going to play a video of Emily at the Foo Fighters concert because every uh, having the best night of my life. Every couple weeks, I see a part of Emily. I just (laughs) (laughs) like what is happening? That was a white wine spritzer. (laughs) Twenty minutes later, she was on all fours, licking it off the ground. So I did not get that shot, unfortunately. But no one has more fun than you. I know. I'm. You know good- why? Because here's the thing. I feel like I'm fun, but I don't like when people are fun, but not together. You can't right. leave your purse. You can't right, lose right, your right. shoes. I can't. I'm a- Lose your shoes. What if someone takes them and throws them into a parking garage? The best thing you can do as a friend <laughs> is release them from the shoes they cannot, like, throw away. Mm-hmm. They. It's probably going to be um, a I mean, Forever like- 21, maybe a Zara. Mm-hmm. Every now and then it's an Aldo um, right. or a Nine West. When you see a Nine, <laughs> Nine West, West, just instantly, just because this is something that, you know, we get emotional attachments to things that hurt us sometimes. Mm-hmm. And you you might have Stockholm Syndrome with um with a kitten heel mm-hmm. or uh, an Aspadrill. An Aspadrill. And Emily had a, a Steve Madden, which isn't he in jail? Like, I, like I, after no, imprisoning our feet for 30 years, he <laughs> has gone to prison. No, oh, no, the guy from American Apparel, too. A lot of these people went to jail. Everyone in the mall. Yeah, everyone. <laughs> Spencer. <laughs> Spencer. Sam Goody. <laughs> Auntie Anne. <laughs> Mrs. Fields. <laughs> no, never. Which, by the way, I think we might have Martha Stewart on the show soon. What? I know. Not that, sorry, sorry, Martha. <laughs> Mrs. Fields. I went from Mrs. Fields to Martha Stewart. Yeah. Well, she's not coming down. Well, because I was like, who would play Mrs. Fields in like a Mrs. Fields movie? Because you know. The Cookie Monster. <laughs> I just auditioned to play Marjorie Post for the Seinfeld movie. So now I'm like obsessed with like just these like random people in history that are these brands that we see everywhere. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, that's like a human being. Right, right, right. I don't know. That's kind of cool to me. Yeah. Like playing real life people, which in the Foo Fighters movie, I actually play this kind of, um, I have to stop saying this about because I was doing press about it. I was like, oh, I play this like crazy Encino whore, like groupie that just wants to sleep with everyone. And then when I was, uh, we were upstairs at the party, this woman comes up to me who like looks kind of familiar because like the Foo Fighters, like you see Pat Smear and you, you're like, yeah, I've been looking at you on screens for my like whole thir- my whole yeah. life. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So there's actually like 
you're almost not that starstruck because you're like, oh, hey. Like, right, we've, right, right. You've been in my life yeah. for 30 years. And right. you're like, oh my God, that's like Pat Smear. Like, that's right, Pat Smear. Right, right, like, right, blah, blah, blah. Like, when I, you know, and um, like one of the greatest music. I mean, what, I mean, what do you think, Pat? Pat Smear, in he terms. Has, he has an extremely interesting career because he started off in a, in a punk band, the Germs, that, that never made a lot of money or anything. Yeah, like but that. it's iconic. And he got recruited into uh, the Foo Fighters, mm-hmm. which at the time nobody thought the Foo Fighters were going to be a big band because it was after because Nirvana. It was like, oh, I guess the drummer's going to try something. But they, you know, the Foo Fighters are as big as any band ever. It really, I mean, I feel like Foo Fighters is up there now with like you two. You know how successful the Foo Fighters is because you forget he was in Nirvana. That is actually but you know what I'm saying. True. That's how we in, don't. Yeah. But that is so wild. Yeah. So this per- after Pat Smear, this person comes up to me and I'm like, I know this person. Like, mm. like, we, like drummers and bassists from big '90s bands. Like, if you saw them at the grocery store, you'd be like, couldn't tell you exactly, but like, this is in my hippocampus right. somehow. And uh, this woman comes up to me who looks so cool. Everyone yeah. there looks so cool. Oh, I know. I, it was like when you go to a, a, a music premiere, which I've done some, is a different level. You looked so, you were on, you looked very cool. You looked like you belong there. I looked like I belonged on fucking Southern Charm on Correct. Bravo. Correct. Yeah, Southern Charm. I'm not Charmless. cool enough. I'm not cool enough for music. That's not true. You look. No, I'm fine with it. It's I'm just, too normcore. Like I'm too. I yeah, just, but that's what's cool now. No, it's not. Okay. Fine, I'm not going to disagree with you on your own show. Okay. Um, and uh, so this person comes up to me, and I'm like, okay, who is this? Like, this person looks familiar. And she's like, hi, I'm Samantha Maloney. Uh, I was the drummer for Hole and Motley Crew, and the character you played is based on me. And I was like, oh, my God. I'm so glad I didn't know that. Yeah, that would have been so much. I would have been so. And, by the way, I would not have played it as, like, Fast and loose and slutty and pound towny, resident of pound town. Um, because when you're playing a real person, there's like a little bit of a like, oh God, they're gonna watch this. Right, and right, if right. they know that I know, it's like insulting to them or right. something. So I was like, I'm so glad I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, and then also in the band, okay, so one quick story about doing the Studio 666 movie with the Foo Fighters is that I get the script and it's this neighbor who's just sort of like, I mean, like this kind of out of it, burnout hot mess of a woman uh, who inserts herself where she shouldn't, gets inserted by people she shouldn't. (laughs) So it's a documentary about me. (laughs) And so I'm reading it. I'm like, this is amazing. This is amazing. There's a sex scene in it that is like wild. Don't care. Hilarious. Can't wait. I'll bring my own Jacob's Creek, a little flask of Sutter Home. I'll be fine. (laughs) And then... There's a scene where Dave Girl's character comes, like, I meet him, and I'm, like, you know, gunning to be, you know, a backup singer for them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you're just waiting your whole life. So, you know, it's like, there, Will Forte is in the movie, and mm-hmm. he's, like, hysterical. And it's, like, well, a lot of inside jokes about being in a famous band that, even if you're not in a famous band, you kind of go, like, oh, my God. Right. Like, people always trying to slip them demos, yeah. and people always trying to, like, sing for them to try to, like, get on, you know. Yeah. And, like, all these, like, desperate people around them. Right. And so... Uh, in the script, I had the original script. I had to sing the heart song. Pat tried to understand Magic Man, Magic oh, okay. Man by Heart. Yeah, which I did not know it. Right. Like I, I, when you hear it, I was like, oh, okay, I know that song. Right, and um, because I'm a horrible singer, and I don't make no bones about it. Mm-hmm. I was in the Wedding Ringers uh, movie with Kevin Hart, uh, where I was like a bridesmaid in Kaylee Cuoco mm-hmm. and Josh Gad, and one of the 
scenes, my character was like a bridesmaid who was like decided to like sing mm-hmm. for the thing, and it's awful. Mm-hmm. And I'm singing, I don't remember what it was. And it was, I'm supposed to sing poorly, and that's the joke. Mm-hmm. After the first rehearsal, uh, I get a call that's like, hey, we're gonna bring in a vocal coach mm-hmm. so that you can sing a little better, just then so it's. That's... It's just so it doesn't seem, it's not like sad. <laughs> like it's it's not reading funny. It's reading just a little like, is she all right? That's so funny. <laughs> like what's the gag here? Like are we poking fun at oh, mentally handicapped? Like my. what is this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I have to go to a vocal coach. What's your choice? Yeah, yeah. we just have to go to a vocal coach. And they're like, can you just sing a little better? I'm like, that, 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 this yeah. is me trying hard to be good. Yeah. And so this one, I was like, got it. And I really did try to not like overdo it bad. Cause this, right. this woman would be like, kind of good, maybe. Right, right. And, uh, and so I just sing Magic Man. Uh, how does it go? I'm a magic man. Yeah. Isn't that what, it, like, that song? So try to understand. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm memorizing it. I get it. I get it. And I fully am like, Okay, I'm about to go sing in front of the Foo Fighters yeah, with no music. That's a wild. heart song. That's wild. And I'm like, I can do this. Like, I can do this. Like, if they had to do comedy in front of me, they'd probably yeah. be a little nervous. Probably not. <laughs> but uh, I was like, I got this. It's just, they get it. They hired me. I got to just do this. Uh, and by the way, not laugh. And I have to like look Dave Grohl in the eyes the entire time. One of the greatest musicians easily of our lifetime, right? Legend. And so... I get there and they're like, oh, hey, we c- the licensing for the heart thing is just, it's taking too long. It's kind of a thing. We're just going to have you sing Everlong by the Foo Fighters. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I would like to call Ronan Farrow. Oh, this is Time's Up. My. Like, I will do any sex scene you want. I will yeah. do any, like, this is, I actually think I can't physically can't do this. Yeah. And my, you know, when your heart like takes a shit in your chest. Oh, your stomach your, comes I was out of like, your butt. I, I, for a second, I was like, what if I just went home? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I had all these, I was like, I, I might just go home. Yeah. I, I, te- I was like, what if I just like fall out of the oh trailer? Oh my God, I can't I was, even. Like, I was literally like, how do you like injure yourself? Like yeah. I just was like, literally, I was like, I have to get out of this. There's no way I can do this. And then, um, and then I just did it. And there was, thank God, like I locked into one person. Her name's Adrian. Yeah. She's the makeup artist on the movie. And I just looked at her and the first time I did it, she like ruined the take by laughing and she was like you know what like this and I was like okay as long as it's funny that's right, all I right, care right, about right, right. but it was so embarrassing it I, was it makes I'm having second it was uh, even like watching it last night I was kind of able to but it was doing it because I mean I had to do it for an hour and here's what else is crazy I was really hurting my voice so I would like in between takes like Dave or someone tried to talk to me and I'd be like I'm just I'm on vocal rest like, oh I'm just, like, like I was <laughs> I was like, I'm just trying to. Pres- They're like, we've created a monster. They're like, yeah, I'm just trying to preserve my voice because I, I, I really am like, I'm going for yeah. it. Yeah, the next day I destroyed my because I don't singing is like a different, muscle. You different have to, muscle, yeah. you can't just do it without screwing up your, yeah. you know. I mean, the the, the notes I hit, mm. um, and uh, so it is funny. I think ultimately, but they're to for the Foo Fighters to watch me just butcher that <laughs> song, like. They, they were like on like a, what was that? Like a deck or something, like looking down. I was just like, oh my God, this is. And they're acting, of course. They were supposed to act by being like, oh God, this sounds awful. People, but like, people clear the sets for nude scenes. You're like, you can stay for the nude scene. <laughs> I, I need the set clear. I know. I was like, I need to singing. talk to HR. Closed set. This is a violent type of embarrassment. Mm-hmm. But then, so they're up. So Dave is in front of me. It's my single, which means like they're just shooting me and not them, right? But they're just there for my eyeline right, and right. the other scene. And then so they're kind of like, oh, God. And mm. I remember being like, 
you guys aren't on camera. You don't. Yeah. You don't have to act. Like you don't have to do that. And they're like, we're not. Like. But that's how cool they are. <gasps> and then, okay, this is uh, at the end of the night. Um, me being the best friend Emily's ever had <laughs> by straight up murdering a pair of shoes that, hold on, was holding her back in life. Okay, so watch. She was limping around in this pair of shoes. This is us. Well, I mean, look, we're adults. So obviously at the end of the night, uh, we decided to race. So I don't know if this is just a being from like the D.C. area thing, but at the end of the night, whenever I go out, there's a race. Mm -hmm. What is that? It's... Is that normal? Pat, do you do that with your friends? Sometimes. Like if I'm if we're going to the car, even if it's like 20 feet. Right, yeah. right, right. It's like yeah. at what point in your life are you done do racing you to Never. the car? Never. I think the last time I did it was probably like 28 years ago. 28 okay. years ago. Yeah. Oh, OK. SARS was um, last like. Night. 12 hours ago. <laughs> it was less than It was because the car was so far away. And there's when you're going to race at the end of the night, there's no, you don't even have to say anything. You just like, right. you just look at the other person. And you go. And we didn't even know where the car was. No, we didn't know. We did not even know where the car was. Okay, so this is us racing. Wait. God. <laughs> oh, my God. You're did faster I than I thought you were. Oh, my God. You're fast. <laughs> And my you're fucking Steve Madden fucking bullshit. You fucko. <laughs> you only won because I'm a nice person. I could have beaten you, you dickhead. And I didn't because... Wait, why don't... By the way, this shit, you're dressed like a cheetah. Why doesn't this have a fucking rain, uh, thing on it? Bad news, it did. You know what? Oh, no. How about this? How about this, Emily? <gasps> How about this? <laughs> We're getting new shoes. Let's go. I'm Cinderella! <laughs> I'm shoes. I'm Cinderella! <laughs> Did you hear that, Pat? I wanted to say one thing about, um, it's a little bit of a wild story, but just because we we're talking about horror movies, because last night when I was sitting through the Foo Fighters movie, it was, it was, so, I was like, why don't I watch more horror movies? This mm -hmm. is so fun. Yeah. And so, um, and it reminded me of this story because when else would I tell a story about like Stephen King? Why, when I when I wrote when I was on the book tour for the book I wrote, you do these like book convention things, uh -huh. that, and I was asked to like host one of them where right. it's like five authors that come up and they speak, and I'm just obviously the idiot, just whatever. Um, and uh, I the one that I did it was the astronaut who's the astronaut Buzz Aldrin. Know. Buzz Aldrin, thank you. Together we make a fully. <laughs> Functioning. Functioning human. Um, Buzz Aldrin, like some other amazing people, I don't remember. And uh, and Stephen King. And so we're in the green room before the show. And it's not like an SNL green room mm -hmm. or like a like a you know talk show green room. It's like the people that are have written the book are there. It is right. just them right. and like their publicist or something. Right, right. Um, and uh, book publicists are hilarious. It's mm -hmm. like they've like knitted all their own outfits. It's so funny. <laughs> and there's like so much yarn, like, like, like hats and like you know so much yarn I know I'm like this is such a, such a wild world like so many clogs um and so Stephen King is there which is like again the same thing with you know maybe Pat Smear and the Foo Fighters yeah. where you're like when you see Stephen King you're like yeah that 
is a person that's not even an actor or a writer. Or, I'm sorry, or a like public per- that's famous, right? Like right, a right. famous writer, right? Yeah. So fa- how many fam- yeah. how many writers could you recognize their face? You're like true. That's Stephen King, right? And so he everyone's talking to each other. He comes up. I'm like, just be cool. Just be cool mm-hmm. and just act like you're cool. Just <laughs> just Will Smith, do it scared. I'm like, you can you can do this. Just ask him questions about himself and like stop talking. Like because you know when you start embarrassing yourself when you're talking to someone that. You're trying so hard to not be nervous that you just yeah. like, talk too much and then yeah. you go out of your body and you're just looking down at yourself like, hey, bitch, stop talking, like begging you. Yeah. And like silence women. Um, so I'm starstruck at Stephen King. This is Stephen King. Don't say big fan. Okay. Don't say love your work. Like, right. just we're here together. Right. And we start talking and he just kind of, and he, I think he's been Stephen King for so long that he knows to mm-hmm. just come in and right. go like, how's it going? Right, right, right. Made it very normal, very fast. Of right. course, he's incredible. And then, um, there's a guy that is like hovering behind him that is has pictures of him. Like when you leave a premiere, people have pictures that you right. can sign that they'll put on eBay and they can make some money. Yeah. The guy's taking pictures of it. And I'm like, I'm watching this happen. I'm watching Stephen King, like someone has broke into the green room mm-hmm. and is hovering around Stephen, like fan energy, manic, right, right, right. manic fan energy. Right. And the person is like, he's got all these Stephen King merch and, and necklaces and oh, Jesus. like just wild shit. And yeah. you can you can just tell. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And he's like staring at Steven and he's got a thing and he's like writing down what Steven's saying and like oh taking pictures God. of him. And I'm like, yeah. this is like, and I'm like, okay, be cool. Don't tell him because it's obviously going to freak him out. Because mm-hmm. like this person, my rate is like, this person's about to like murder Stephen right, King right, in front of me. Right, unhinged. And I'm going to have to do a full Kevin Costner in the Kevin. bodyguard. I'm going to have to run through <laughs> and like take a bullet for Stephen right. King. Um, and so he's there. I don't, no one has plus ones or anything. So I'm yeah. like, okay, okay. How are the publicists not right. dealing with this? I mean, this person dress like, dresses like half the publicists. So that's part of the problem. That's funny. And so, that's funny. Um, and so I was like freaking out. And I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to be honest. Because I've seen a lot of crazy shit happen. Right. With being friends with a couple of musicians where like right. stalkers will get in or dangerous people will right. get in or, you know, and you, you just have to say something right away. You right. can't. The gift of fear. We talk about it all the time. You just mm-hmm. have to trust your instinct. And my intuition was like, this person is dangerous mm-hmm. to this man. Mm-hmm. Whether he's Stephen King or not. Right. Like, right. this is dangerous. Right. And the person is not reading social cues, not acknowledging right, right, right. me or not, right. you know. And because I make eye contact with him a couple times just to right. try to go like, what are you doing? Right. And it was like shifty and he wouldn't. Right, and right, he was right. just like, looking at Stephen like he's about to like eat him alive and like make <laughs> a, you know, tube top out of him. And so I'm like, Stephen King. I know I don't know you very well, and I know this is very weird, but there is a man behind you that I believe is stalking you and got it in and should not be here and seems very dangerous. So I did it like out of his earshot. Right, right, right. So I was like, so how about you and I, how about we like go to the bathroom? Yeah. And then we can like, you just need to get out of this room. Yeah. Like, but I did it like not urgent, right, like right, as right. if it was a conversation. Right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I was like, how about like you go to the left, I'll take your place and, yeah. then, and then you go to the bathroom and then I will notify somebody. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he was like, oh, no, 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 no. That's, um, that is one of my stalkers, but I've just accepted the fact that he follows me everywhere. It's been about 20 years. <laughs> he turns around. He's like, oh, yeah, no, no, no. He comes with me everywhere. I was like, so you're just, and he's like, yeah, there's nothing we can do. That is. He's like, I've tried. He's like, there's nothing we can do. We've tried everything. We've tried restraining orders. We've tried injunctions. We've tried. He gets in everywhere. Everyone knows about him. Like he just always gets in and we don't know how. I've just accepted him. And he was like, he's harmless. I was like, (gasps) so this person is just with you all the time. He's like, yeah. He's like, I've just surrendered. 
<laughs> Don't get any ideas, people. <laughs> I was like, that is like oddly the sweetest. Like, like at what oh, point? It, yeah. There was a point where he just had to go like, all right. Yeah. Just you and me, man. This is part of when I He's like, we've tried, we've gotten security, I used to have a thing, and then like every there's no way just manage to just wrist, get a yeah. wristband at a convention center <laughs> yeah. to get down with four key cards to right. where we were, and he's like, he can do it. He'll make fake wristbands, he'll get the key card. Like it's we like don't like a villain in a Stephen King movie. Literally. <laughs> when- so then I'm like, I kind of feel like we're in a Stephen King novel or something. Yeah. And he's like, not interested in writing that. <laughs> When I worked at David Letterman, so at Letterman, you could only get tickets once a year, whoever you were. It was like, if you got a ticket, it was once a year. So once a year, we had Stalker Day. So they would invite all of Letterman's stalkers to the show the same day every year. So we'd get them out of the way. So then no stalker could come back at any other time during the year because we'd say, no, you already came this year, which we'd say to anyone who tried to Because the thing with the thing with it's like if you give them something to look forward to, right. they'll just focus and then on that. We had as someone that went on to soccer day. <laughs> and he was like, hey, can I do my stand-up? <laughs> the entire audience was full of his stalkers. Mm-hmm. Like people that thought they were married to him, people that thought they were the mother of his child, like psychos. So and he's how is he feeling on that day? I don't know if they told him. I honestly don't know if Whoa, they told him. I don't know. That's I, a really yeah, smart thing. I know. But I was assigned to this one real wackadoodle mm-hmm. who thought she was his wife. And like when, but, and she was so convincing that by the end of the afternoon, I was like, maybe this is. Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe he's the jerk. I was like, pre- maybe he's just being a dick like to her. Like full Steve Jobs. And yeah. <laughs> I was like, ma'am, I'm so sorry. I thought you were a crazy person. No, like it, <laughs> <laughs> and, and my boss was like, Emily. <laughs> Don't say the C word. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like but what is what's her vibe it honestly like she just looks like a normal everyday person like a normal that's everyday what scares person. me more than anything yeah if you're wearing like a crocheted like poncho nope. I'm like but if it's someone that you're like oh yeah I mean by the end of the afternoon I thought she was his wife <laughs> like that's how that was her reality and she pulled me right into it how old was she she's probably like in her 40s like yeah I could have told you that wasn't his wife <laughs> <laughs> Context clues, Emily. Yeah, I should have put two and two together. Context clues. Yeah. That is fascinating to me. Once a year. Yeah. Oh, because I told you, I mean, my, the stalker, the first stalker, I don't, stalkers, like, people, I just think you're such a narcissist. Really, I have a stalker. They're, mo- they're usually not dangerous. They're usually mm-hmm. just like, your gut will tell you. Like, I've had right. people show up at my house, like, and uh, I just, like, called their parents and sent them home. You know what I mean? They're not, well, people. And also, I my thing is that if you can't fight off your own stalker, you don't deserve to be famous. Like, have mm-hmm. a, just, like, pull it together. Like, okay. you know, I don't know. I mm-hmm. just, I don't, I think most of them are not dangerous. But okay. I think that, what was the thing that happened in the A 70s with that sitcom girl? There is something, Sandra Bullock yeah. had a nightmare situation. Yeah, but, like, yeah, there are some- I don't think anyone's going to kill, go to jail for me. I'm okay. not that much of a narcissist. Okay. But um, there was that, because stalkers, normally it's not, too personal. Like, usually it's like they'll move on to another person. Yeah, Yeah, and then they'll move on to someone else. Like, it's just like a fixation kind of thing. Right. And um, the first time I had someone like calling me, this was like 12 years ago, and this guy would just call me, call me, call me. Like, I would get out of a meeting, I have like 60 missed calls. It was like, and this is the first time I've ever been through this. Like, I was like on like MTV or something at the time. Like, it was very new to me Um, that any man would call me back, much less 60 times in a row. (laughs) I'm like, what are you complaining about? (laughs) And, but he had a very 
very uh, consistent narrative. He's like, it's like me. We were supposed to meet on the Sony lot 20 minutes ago. Where are you? Like, I'm looking. Like, he was like, yeah. like you're saying, he was very convinced. Yeah, so you were probably like, oh my God. I, I know, I was like, like, oh my God. God. <laughs> like, like I, I am absolutely. Where's my drive on? Yeah, I had like Ambien at the time. I was like, Jesus <laughs> Christ, I'm so sorry, man. Like, blocked out. And so, uh, so he would call, call, call. And then uh, I would answer and he would like hang up and freak out. So finally the L.A., PD mm-hmm. comes over. They have a detective at the time. In order to get a stalker's location, you had to keep them on the phone for like three minutes. Mm-hmm. Back in the twenties, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, on the rotary. Phone. It was very annoying. It was you. I, I don't know what that technology yeah. was, but yeah. So I had to keep him on the phone. So they trained me. They were like, you have to agree with his reality. Yeah, you know, whatever. And I'm like, I take improv. I can do right, this. Right, yes, right, and right, it's like right, whatever. Right. And so because we have to figure out where he is, but you have to keep him on the phone for three minutes. Maybe it's a little. Like, yeah. Don't disagree with him. If he says, I'll see you later today, go, yep, can't wait. Like, we're here. You're safe. It's fine. So I was like, okay, I can do this. I can do this. And then he calls. I pick up. Totally. I'm like, I'm nailing it. Yeah. He's saying the craziest things. I'm like, oh, my God. I know. I'm so sorry. Like, I know we were going to go to Cincinnati earlier. Right, right. I missed the play. You know, whatever. He's like mad at me about things that I haven't done. And then uh, the LA, the detective or whatever looks at me and mouths like, we got it. Oh, okay. Three minutes. Like, we got it. We're good. Right. And then I was like, uh, okay, you got it? Like, I said something right. like that. And he right. sort of, or I was like, okay, um, I just, like, broke, I guess. Right, right. You know, and I was I didn't know how to get off the phone. Like, yeah, you guys yeah, didn't yeah. tell me how to dismount this thing. <laughs> right, 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 right. Do you right, know what I'm right, saying? Right, I'm now right. dating this person. <laughs> and, like, can I have a little help? Like, and then I just, like, was like, I have to leave. And then he was like, I was like, I, sh- I should go. And he was like, well, I'm gonna go. Like, and then he yeah. got squirrely and then uh, hung up. Oh, God. Never heard from him again. Talked to someone for three minutes and they never <laughs> never heard from him again. One week later, detective calls me. Great news, your stalker has moved on to another public figure. And I was like, "Who is she?" I don't like. I don't care. I'm just curious. Yeah. Like I was like, I feel like I just deserve to know. Yeah. And he was like, "Yeah, we can't tell you that." And I was like. Why not? Like, I just want to know. Like, don't, shouldn't I? Because I, I could warn her. I, I, was yeah. just, I could, like, let her They're know like, what to say. Ma'am, the stalker <laughs> filed a restraining order against you. <laughs> no, no, no. Then I go to his Instagram. Whitney. I'm, like, looking at who he follows. And like, who's, who's, who's photos he's liking, what celebrities he follows, like, try it. And I'm, like, you I'm fully stalking my. Oh, yeah. You're stalking. I still, I think about him all the time. I'm like, what did I say on that call? That is just let me know. Like right, my thing, so you don't do it again. Just let me know. I'm right. just curious Closure. what made you what go pushed him over the edge. I'm just curious. Right? No, I, that is. I would be too. That's very human. It's very. I, I think about it all the time. I'm now. I want to know. I know. What's his Instagram handle? I have it. Well, we because we had to do a background check on him, and he did have a hunting license. So oh dear, they were like, you need to stop. Because he can see, by the way, he would DM me and I would read them. And I didn't know it said text scene, like 10. I was checking his texts like the second he sent them. (laughs) And they were like, you have to stop. He can see that you're (laughs) like, ma'am, we can't protect you if you don't want to protect yourself. Help us help you. Like, this is like, you're embarrassing yourself. (laughs) Wait, okay. So when I, this reminds me, okay. Oh, no. I have a bit of a drunk dialing problem. Like, I'll get drunk and then drunk dial. Like, if I dated you, then I will call you. Doesn't matter how long it's been. Doesn't matter how many times you don't pick up. Just. There was one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's it's That is a kind of. 
I think a part of your amygdala just shuts down. Yeah. And then you lose count. It's like when I take edibles. I'm like, I don't know how many I've taken. Right. And then I'm real. I think it's two. It's 30. And then I'm real squirrely because I'll delete it when I'm drunk. So I wake up in the morning and don't see that I called someone like 17 times. Right. So it was getting really bad when I lived in New York. I was like 25. I was dating this guy named Buddy. And I would just like call him. I wasn't his name, but yeah. No, really was. was That's on his license. (laughs) Yes. Okay. I would just call him over and over again. So one morning I called at t and I put at t smart limits on my phone. Which, I didn't know about that. Which is at the time was like a thing that basically parents did for teenagers phones, which was they blocked a number. So that number could not reach out to you. Like you paid $4.99 a month, $4.98 a month. The number was blocked. So I guess if your kid was like, if you wanted your kid not being in touch with another kid or whatever. So I paid sure, to sure, have sure, the sure. number blocked. So he they could blocked not, Kevin Spacey's number. Got so it. he could not. Call me. No, you could not call him. Okay. I thought that. Oh, no. So I am still calling him constantly drunk, thinking he doesn't get it, right? But then my friend was like, no, no, that only works one way. So I called AT&T and I was like, I have to find out if if these calls are going through. So I called AT&T and I was like, hey, I put, um, I have a stalker. I put smart limits on my phone. It's $4.99 a month. I was just calling to see like, what happens when I call my stalker? And they're like, ma'am, well, we are misunderstanding the question. What? I was like, when I, I, I pay to block, I pay monthly to block someone. Why are you lying to a stranger? What happens when I call them? And he goes, ma'am, why would you call your stalker? And I was like, it's not important. I need to know if the calls are going through. I just need to know if he called me earlier he to puts, confirm he's a stalker. He puts me on hold. He comes back 20 minutes later. He's <laughs> like, ma'am, we've never had anyone ask us this. I don't have an answer for you. We're going to give you, we're going to pay your next phone bill. Like as an apology for not knowing. Well, like, well, I, th- this is a new problem that has never happened and will never happen again. <laughs> Who calls him? I was paying five dollars a month to block him and then calling him. It's also just such a. There's so many better <laughs> lies out there. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I blocked my ex, and now I need to call him because he has something I need. <gasps> so I was sitting at work making this phone call, and my coworker was like, "You need help." Like he heard Ben, my coworker Ben heard me. He's like, you need, you're way worse than I but thought. But wait, so what happened? What happened was, is that there's no, still no answer. I don't know. You don't know if Buddy got a bunch of calls from I don't know if Buddy you? got the calls or not. Have you heard from him? <laughs> he probably did. <laughs> I think he did. I've not heard from him. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He it was def- 11 years ago, but I have not, I never heard well, from Buddy, him. Buddy, if you're a fan of the pod. <laughs> the it's always the right time deal. Hey, want to go to Mickey D's for lunch? Ooh, let's go now. But it's not lunchtime yet. If we're going to McDonald's, it's always the right time. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. There's a deal for every lunch hour at McDonald's. Now's the time to get two for $3.99. Mix and match a four-piece McNuggets, a McDouble, a McChicken, or a hot and spicy McChicken. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Mm -hmm. I'm so sorry. (laughs) We now, now take, take a, a break. break to talk to you about, um, you know, I am going to say something what? that no one's going to believe. <laughs> okay. Possibly my, the, the most unbelievable thing I've said yet, which is that I'm just going to say it. I can't cook. I know that is going to come as a shock to you. So DoorDash. <laughs> The point is, I don't have to feel bad anymore that I don't have time to cook. I've got shit to build. I've got stuff to do. 
I've got Instagrams to post. I've got uh, selfies to take. You know, I've got uh, a relationship to try to salvage. I've got... 100 dogs. I've got a uterus that is just, you know, just the fourth day of an avocado. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I don't have time to run around and try to prove that I can cook... DoorDash, and I also like lots of different food. I'm finally right. at a point in my life where I don't restrict my eating the way right. I used to, and I have a lot of lost time to make up for. It takes the stress off my life. It shows up. Yep. There's never drama with DoorDash. Get what you want to eat right now and right to your door with DoorDash. Along with restaurants you love, you can also get groceries and other essential items delivered to your door. With DoorDash, you can get drinks, <laughs> snacks, and other household <laughs> items in under an hour. With over 300,000 partners, you can support your neighborhood go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Popeye's, Chipotle, and Cheesecake Factory. Oh. Ordering is so easy, and your oh. items will be left safely outside your door when you choose contactless delivery drop-off. For a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code GFY. And spend your time, instead of making dinner, making drinks. Like this little treat I made myself, <laughs> which is a... Radioactive green. <laughs> which is uranium <laughs> and uh, tequila. That's 25% off up to $10 value and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code GFY. Don't forget, that's code GFY for 25% off your first order with DoorDash. Subject to change, terms apply. So speaking of my neon green drink, (laughs) uh, I love green drinks. (laughs) She only drinks green drinks. I only drink green drinks. If you don't think I've done athletic greens in tequila, you're wrong. Um, now, one thing we talk about with Winnie a lot is the optimizing. You're a big optimizer. You know that when I was in my 20s, I only wore Velcro shoes because in my brain, I went like every time you tie your shoes, that's like 30 seconds. And I multiplied it and I was like, that's like eight or nine hours you would spend tying your shoes. <gasps> so what is this stuff? <laughs> with one delicious <laughs> scoop of athletic greens, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. Athletic Greens supports mental clarity and alertness. Tons of people take some kind of multivitamin and it's important to choose one with high quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb. Sorry, Flintstones. It's cheaper than getting all your different supplements yourself. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. Oof. It's just one scoop and a couple- Especially, especially entering into your hoe phase. It's every. <laughs> it's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five Whoa. free travel packs with your first purchase. Again, that is athleticgreens.com, Whitney. And here's what I'll say. You already Slash know about Whitney. Athletic Greens. You already know about it. Mm-hmm. You hear about it on big, fancy podcast. Mm-hmm. Let today be the day. If you're looking for a sign of like, I really got to order that. Like, I've been meaning to do that. I know you've been meaning to do it. So just, do it. Just do it right now because I, you're wasting my, my time and everybody else's time. <laughs> and that's not optimal. By staying unhealthy. You're not allowed to be unhealthy anymore. It's boring. It's right. unoriginal. Mm-hmm. You, There's that's, no excuse for that. Yeah. Again, that's- Grow an, up. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash Whitney to take ownership. Get athletic greens and invest in your future self. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash Whitney to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Yeah, I remember it was in my last special that um, I, I said something about like when you guys call women crazy, like like we know some women are crazy. Like we see the text she, she didn't, didn't send. send. Like we've all gone through that thing where we're, we misjudged mm-hmm. Like, just pick up. I'm just going to call again. Yeah. So that you don't have to 
use your minutes. Right. There was right. a time where calling always, someone cost money. I was always calling after midnight. So Free you nights and weekends. <laughs> There's a time where when you were in like immature toxic relationships mm-hmm. where you would call and it was just like, I'm going to keep calling. Oh, yeah. I'm going to keep calling. Yeah. Keep calling. And it was just like cutting yourself. It was just like hurting yourself. Yeah. It was just like making it so bad that it would never work out in a weird way. It's like self-sabotaging. Yeah. And and also just like, I mean, I have the OCD stuff too, where I'm just, I'm going to keep calling. Yeah. I'm going to keep calling. Yeah. And you don't want me to not keep calling. Cause at least if I'm calling you 50 times, I'm not at your house. <laughs> In a wedding dress. <laughs> <laughs> like you'd rather me call. But, Cause no. also in you'd my. You'd rather know where I am. Well, Cause also in my head, it's like, all right, I'm going to call again. Yeah. All right, fine. We're broken up. Yeah. You know what? I'm just going to get closure. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. He didn't answer again. Yeah. It's like you're, a lot of times you're just collecting data. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And the phone's probably off. I I wish it doesn't show you called when your phone's off. Fuck. Anyway. I mean, I don't respond. Even from work texts. If you guys don't respond to me, I won't send another text. Like, I am, like, so terrified of sending, like, two texts in a row that haven't been responded to. Because I definitely had my fair... Sorry, I just had coffee. <laughs> okay, so that is that. We're, um, you know, I'm on tour uh, quite a lot mm-hmm. uh, coming up. We are going to have to uh, reschedule the Cincinnati date because I don't know exactly what's going on mm-hmm. with these airlines. Uh, mm-hmm. But I had a connection to Cincinnati from L.A. The mm-hmm. connection would have got me in at 7. The show was at 8. Would have made it with flying colors. Right. But it was two hours delayed. Then three hours delayed. Oh. They made me cancel it. We've had a lot of mechanical failures. A lot of, lot of, and also there are very few flights now because right, people right. are just flying less in general. Yeah. So there's not, I, I'm like trying to get to Cincinnati and it's like, there's two flights a day. Yeah. And I have to do a connection. So I was going right. to fly into um, uh, Dayton or something. Yeah, something oh, yeah. and drive. But like, I wouldn't have made it in time. So right. we had to reschedule it, which really sucks. And I'm, I'm sorry that happened. And I'm having people just text me if you need refunds for parking or mm-hmm. for a babysitter or whatever. Go uh, to AmericanAirlines.com. Com, I, yeah, truly. <laughs> uh, 818-239-7527. What just happened? Was that beep? That was your, you got an email. I had an email? What? <laughs> Gotta go. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, it's your man. You guys, my soccer. You guys, I can't talk. Nancy Pelosi just emailed me. Wait a second. It's the RNC. Uh, so, a couple of things. Uh, I will be in Grand Rapids, Michigan at 20 Monroe Live. Uh, I didn't see the date of that, Pat. Sorry. Uh, soon. Uh, on March 5th. Uh, March 18th, Portland, me at the Maryland Auditorium. That's Merrill. in Maine. Nope, the Maryland Auditorium. Oh, sure. Whatever. God, you are so, like... Like, oh, so picky. You're so I know. I was like, God, uh, give an inch much. <laughs> 19 of March, I'll be in Laconia, New Hampshire. It's a fake place. I'm being kidnapped. It's a prank, but I'll be at the Colonial Theater. Uh, March 25th, I'm going to be in New Haven, Connecticut at the College Street Music Hall. Albany, New York, I'll be at the Egg. March 26th, at least there'll be one egg somewhere. <laughs> Uh, April 1st, Austin, Texas, Paramount Woo! Theater. You're going to come to that. Oh, yeah. Dallas, Texas, April 2nd. This is all on WinnieCummings.com. Go to it. I am shooting also my uh, next stand-up special <gasps> in a little city called Newark, New Jersey. Ooh! Cannot wait. May 13th and 14th. And so uh, the tickets are not on sale yet, but they will be soon. Um, we're going to shut up because today's guest is Amanda Seals. You know her from Insecure on HBO, obviously. Uh, her first stand-up comedy special is I Be Known. That is also on HBO. I loved it. And then her book is Small Doses, Potent Truths for Everyday Use. Uh, I love this. I've got many a bookmark in here. Um, she also has a podcast called Small Doses, and I was listening to it 
I was like binging it because she interviews artists like about their process. And she did one with Amy Sherald, who's my, uh, I mean, I think the best artist working right now. Not that I know Mm -hmm. that much about art, but she's, I saw her work downtown in person and it was like, I should quit everything I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm not making stuff this incredible. I mean, and then she talks about her process. It changed my life. I listened to it when I was in, I don't remember where I was, but I was just like, I was like taking notes on a podcast. It's that, it's that insightful, good, poignant. It'll like change you. Um, She also, uh, her Patreon is Smart, Funny, and Black, Smart, Funny, and Black Radio. Go to smartfunnyandblack.com. All this is on that website. She also has a union newsletter. Um, It should all be on there. Mm -hmm. And in terms of this episode, this, uh, you know, conversation with her, I did, hopefully, I've always been clear about how I want this podcast. The whole point of this podcast was to make episodes that were really funny and irreverent and like being a fly on the wall of comedians talking and being vulnerable. And, you know, I wanted it to be really funny. I wanted to make a show that made you, you know, forget your problems and, you know, some episodes where you're going to learn something and you have access to neuroscientists or, you know, doctors or whatever, um, because our thing here is good for you. We're always in school. Like, you're never cooked. And uh, I just wanted to, like I said about when I wrote my book, I want to be like the Robin Hood of, like, mental health and stuff. So Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, here's all the stuff I've learned. Like, let me just, you know, I want to make the show that I wish was available to me when I was, like, 20, Mm -hmm. you know? And, uh, but we also uh, have always been very open about wanting to have episodes that maybe uncomfortable at times, but also just the kind of conversations that, you know, are important and they need to be had because that's the only way you can change. Mm -hmm. And staying the same is gross. Mm -hmm. So gross. Yeah. Right? thousand percent. Please enjoy Ms. Amanda Seals. Can we go, Pat? Good to go. Great. So um, we jump right in. Uh, I don't mean to cut you off, but I do want to just say I normally I open this this podcast with asking the guest if we're friends and the guest gets to answer. (laughs) I don't even know you. (laughs) But the guest gets to answer because what I don't like is this false sense of fake familiarity when you go on a podcast and someone's like, this is my best friend, Amanda Seals. Like that's a white girl thing. And then (laughs) That's an absolute. Oh my god, I love you! I I fucking love you. I'm like you. I know that it's like literally like it's like you're not you like I get it and I'm like okay. I just but like, that's like a very LA thing. I just like to yeah like create a space where what's actually happening is happening and no one has to be fake and perform because I've been in situations where I walk on a podcast and I'm like I just have to be very clear we've never met this person's acting like we have and like oh really well and I like you but it's just we this is odd because. But do um, they have a familiar? Is it like the whole fan thing where they have a fam- familiarity with you by nature of you them knowing your work? Well, I think it's more they'll go like, so this is my good friend Whitney. Da 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 da. Oh, so Whitney, do. where are you from? If we're such <laughs> if we're such good friends, wouldn't Why, you know that? Yeah. Or maybe would you have taken the time out to maybe Google that? Because that's a Google question. Do you have any new questions for me? Like I'm really trying to think. I don't think I've had that experience. But I also think that because I'm sure we're going to talk about some stuff that is going to get a little dicey because that's what you and I both do (laughs) so I'm very excited about this um and I just I don't want people being like oh but they're already good friends and you know it just it is what it is and I'm a fan I'm gonna just I mean if we were friends they would have seen you on my Instagram by now interesting I mean this is yeah yeah that's interesting. I, most of my friends aren't on my Instagram. To be honest. I mean, but I mean the way that yeah. I have existed Intr- up until course, this point, like yeah, people know who my yeah. friends are. Yeah. That, okay. Now my friends are like, why don't you put me on your Instagram? Because that's just not how you your Instagram go. <laughs> no, that's fine. No. I mean, listen. I, I had want to them block, working for it. I want I them had constantly to block, earning it. Block at one point. I had to block like my like 
real friends because there was a situation that had happened and they like didn't address it with me directly in the right way. Like they just didn't. And they, yep. and I was like, I had to hit them. Like what's, did y'all see what happened? Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah. And it's like, Oh, you're watching my Instagram. Like it's a TV show, but it's an actual real thing that's happening. So to me, like if I see somebody, even if I see something cryptic on someone's Instagram, I call them like, what's up? Like if I, if I see you on Instagram, like, you know, I'm just, you know, taking time for me. What the fuck is up? What's okay. up? Yeah, yeah, totally. Because totally. this, this, this is not your so, bag. Sounds like you're not getting a lot of likes and you're pivoting mm-hmm. to, to like try to do a fake retirement thing like yeah, Jay-Z. Yeah, like yeah. when you need to promote what an album. We, so I will. I know. I, I'm hyper vigilant. I also, it's funny when I hang up like good friends of mine and they ask me what I'm up to. And I'm like. So you muted me over the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> you can unmute me. It's fine. I, it's, I, I agree. <laughs> By the way, I agree. You were right. This is why we're friends. You have good taste and good boundaries, but you got to unmute me because I can't recap all of that. All of it. You know what I mean? So It's there for you. But I just, um, I also am just, I like to be very straight up when I'm like a fan of someone. I've been a fan of yours since you were on MTV too. Wow. Yep. I had a whole other name. I used to I used to work with, yeah, Band of Diva. I used to work at a waitress at a restaurant that would play just MTV2 all the time. And that was like very big when I was in college in Philadelphia. Like it was just always on everywhere. So Fascinating. I'm, yeah. So I've known you for a minute. I'm just going to say really quick, um, uh, you know, not only um, have you seen uh, Amanda on Insecure, like, I mean, people that hate everyone love you on that show. <laughs> People who doesn't, <laughs> don't give any credit that is not overly due is like, yeah, she was great on that show. I really um, appreciate that. Like, haters love you on the show. And I'm going to say something really quick just about that. It really bothers me that in most of your interviews, the entire interview is about people that have notes for you. Thank and you. It's, it fucking it, drives so, me to me, crazy. See, I'm glad you're saying that because... I was like, oh God, do we have to talk about the people that disagree with it? Like, I don't. It's 10 under- people. No one, de- everyone loves you. It's not true. It's very <laughs> much giving, it really is giving like, you need to please everyone. It triggers my perfectionism. Addressing it, it- is dignifying <laughs> people that are just jealous or racist, which they don't deserve any engagement. So it's, I guess to me, okay. So I, thank you. I feel very relieved that we don't have to spend this podcast. We don't. If you want to hear her talk about it, um, just <laughs> go watch her on The Breakfast Club. Um, yes. Go uh, uh, Hollywood Unlocked. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. She's very, she elucidates very clearly why people criticize her and addresses beautifully and incredibly elegant what happens to the ego when someone accidentally, while pointing out a truth, shames you and makes you feel embarrassed. Because I think when you point yeah. out something that is correct, uh, you did it a couple times on my stairwell here earlier. When you get embarrassed of your behavior because someone's holding a mirror up to you, you get embarrassed, and then your ego wants to go. Well, she's she's obnoxious. She's loud. She's enti- like. And you- I've done the same. Like I think that's just a very human mm-hmm. nature thing. I feel like what happens is it. The next step of that is growth and being able to identify like, oh, I'm doing that. Mm-hmm. They're not doing that to me. Like, I, like they're saying something generically that yeah. I am attaching to and I am now feeling the need to react and respond. And it's like, this is all you. That's like, that's like acknowledging a, like when a puppy pees on the carpet, like negative reinforcement is the only thing that works. Like ignoring it is the only thing that works. Cause if they're getting attention for it, they just learn this is how I'm going to get Amanda's attention. I'm just going to 
like mm. say shit about her. You know what I mean? I cannot get my dog to potty train. Okay, and, well we'll talk about that. Okay. Um that is that is I am the Amanda Seals of puppy training. I tell ya. <laughs> so Jordy is killing me. Okay, I want to talk about this in a minute. Um because I do think that your journey training your puppy is gonna be part of your journey with disengaging <laughs> from feedback on the internet. And when you So I have started. I've started that journey. Well, listening to you on other people's podcasts has made me like irate <laughs> because number one, I don't like when people come on, especially that have the kind of like life force you have, the kind of um, time constraints you have, and the kind of work that needs that that you want to get done. Given in our limited time here, you spend so much time either saying what you've always already said on your podcast, small doses, and they ask you questions you've already talked about. So if you want to talk about her departure from the real, if or I'm sorry, hear about that, or if you want to hear about um, her uh, the depression that came along with that, <laughs> if you want to hear about. Any of that drama, just uh, you can listen to her on Jamil Jamil's podcast. Mm-hmm. She said it. She said it. On, and or if you want to talk, hear about her miscarriage, just listen to Small Doses. Mm-hmm. Here we're going to talk about things she has not talked about <laughs> okay. before. Good. Um, even though I just, I, I'm so annoyed that so much of your time and bandwidth has been spent on the people that that have criticized. There's, it's so small. Most people don't respond at all. They just go, oh, she makes a good point. And they show it to their friend, like, that's the take. That's most people's response to you. I, like, I had to train my audience, though, like, I need y'all to say good stuff because the people with saying the bad stuff are louder. Totally, totally. (laughs) But also, like, if people said the good stuff, People like us, perfectionist comedians. I'm a Virgo. We scroll past you're it. a Cancer. You'll I'm ignore a Virgo it. Rising. You're not gonna. You're it's not gonna. Same. I'm double Virgo. No, I have to force myself. Yeah. Actually, so I'll catch myself. You, but you're scrolling past a like very kind comment, and we'll tell. And I'm like, stop. Go back. Mm-mm. Read those kind words. And then what are you gonna think? You're just gonna go. Well, she's just saying that because I told him they should. No, I don't do that. Really? I'm like, I'm like I pre- no. You I do know the work. Okay, because like, I appreciate go, you. They'll go like, you did a great job, and I'm like, not an awesome job. And you don't think I'm pretty? Like, I will find a way to make a compliment an insult by, like, what they omitted. And I'll just find a way to keep hurting myself with your, like, kind feedback. Maybe that's work I need to do. Maybe? (laughs) (laughs) I I think for me, though, as someone, like, I just, I have a, I'm just committed to the idea that I just, I'm sure I have blind spots. Like, there's just no way I don't. You're a white woman in America. What? How dare you? Every first of all, every white person in America is racist off rip by nature of the fact that this is a racist country off rip. Yeah. So, you know, even so many black folks find themselves perpetuating white supremacist stuff mm-hmm. by nature of the fact that it's just so ingrained into the very fabric of this nation and the globe. Even if you're a zombie and have been programmed and are just walking through life, you're still benefiting you're, from yeah. racist institutions. So it takes a high, it takes consciousness to be able to say, okay, I'm going to be anti-racist. And that's when the work begins about around something like that. It takes consciousness to be able to be like, oh, toxic masculinity is a thing that mm-hmm. I don't want to perpetuate. So many of us, like think that we are being feminists or we think we're being womanists and yeah. we're not realizing just like ways that we didn't even ways that we are unintentionally perpetuating perpetuating toxic masculinity because it's so it's just deep so yeah you have blind spots we all have blind spots and then also just so you can um take a breath because i do want to get to talk a little bit about um with your permission interracial uh dating 
Cats versus Dog, uh, the state of hip hop and white rappers. Um, I, <laughs> I like the agenda. <laughs> in no particular order. But uh, what she's saying in um, her book, Small Doses, which is kind of a little Bible here uh, at the Good For You podcast oh, on page thanks. 61, um, she talks about the the white people litmus test and some some ways that you can uh, get started. Uh, <laughs> if Dangerous Minds is your favorite movie, I have bad news for you. Um, and then on page 62, the white alley, uh, alley. Most, I mean, a lot of white girls are named Allie. Let me see. White, white Allie. Oh, white, white Allie. Well, no, the reason why that's funny is because <laughs> there is a letter in there to white folks yeah. from my friend Allison, short Allie. Oh, that's so... <laughs> That is wild. <laughs> so, and then uh, some of the films that uh, that uh, we have to take a second look at: uh, Freedom Riders, uh, if it Fighting wasn't for Forrester, that white people, if it Green Book. Uh, it's like just you know, I hate Green Book so much. And then, um, yeah, that that you know, oh, it's so wild. The um, let's talk about that in 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 a second because I I definitely am gonna. Um, there's so much I want to talk to you about, but I just did want to. Uh, bring up uh, just a couple of my blunders or my um, uh, quite like, you know, I think I've heard a lot of like, but I date interracial. I can't be racist or, you know, because white people, I think, are getting so defense or not all of them. That's the other thing I think we do when we talk about the stuff. We're like, everyone thinks uh, everyone's mad at me. It's, you know, not everyone. But when I like reflect back on like interracial relationships I've been in. And at this point, I think that for me personally, the only validation I'm kind of going for is black women. If a black woman is like, what you're doing is Mm -hmm. you're using your platform, like then you're like, all right, I must be doing something right. (laughs) If they're, if they don't, then you got to take a look in in the mirror. I just, for now, for now, you know, that could change. Black gay men are also like a real good. Black gay men. Yeah. So it's like if, and then if you can have them come on the podcast and then say, here's where you're not doing right and reach a different audience. Because when I was listening to you on the um, uh, Hollywood breakdown, breakdown, right? Did I get that right? Which I, part, right? I feel like I've done so many podcasts. You've done so, it's shocking to me. Was um, that with, was that the Hollywood Unlocked? Unlocked. I'm okay. sorry. Yes. I called it the breakdown. There was a conversation about um, why are, you know, is all the press variety in Hollywood Reporter, why not coming to black media sources? And the first thing my brain said, which I was like, tell me if this is ignorant, is like, because like, there is a point where like preaching to the choir, there's only, there's only so much you can do. Like, do you want to get, like, how do you approach white platforms are you like i should go on that platform so i can reach people i wouldn't normally reach or am i supporting a white platform that shouldn't be so white by participating in that do you know what i'm saying like i, mean, I think it depends on what you're talking about yeah right like when i um had to gather caitlin jenner in her ignorance uh that needed to be discussed on a white platform yeah um do you not know about this i feel like you i'm would... literally like <sighs> so i know a little bit about it 2017 i went to a dinner that Katy perry had uh to promote her book i mean to promote her album mm-hmm. i witness or witness witness mm-hmm. and uh there was whiteness <laughs> Hilarious. And so she wanted to have like this dip. She was having like these dinners and this was a dinner 
originally it was dinner with friends and I was like, I'm not, I don't know none of these people. So why is it called dinner with friends? I think it should be called dinner with discourse because the whole point of the dinner was that Katie had voted for Hillary and her parents had voted for Trump. And she was like, I don't want to go home for Thanksgiving because I don't know how to have these conversations. So she wanted to both have terrible choices. <laughs> like, so can we have a dinner where like, yeah, we kind of see what it's like to have conversations with people who have different opinions than you. So it was like me and Navarro. First of all, it's like you have parents. Stop bragging. <laughs> you have parents that love you easy <laughs> and you're complaining I have to talk to my parents on a holiday I love you Katie Margaret Cho love Sally Cohn um this DJ DJ Skeeter and then Katy Perry and then uh Van Jones and um Caitlyn Jenner mm-hmm. and so at one point in the dinner, I was saying, well, there was a lot of kumbaya shit. And at one point in the dinner, I was like, you know, I, I, I don't subscribe to the kumbaya-ness of it all. Like, everyone kept saying, like, everyone's opinion matters. You know, we need to care about everyone's opinion. And from, mm. then eventually, Van is like, Amanda, what do you think? And I was like, I don't think everyone's opinion matters. I think for anyone who voted for Trump, I know what your opinion is. And I, you literally are putting me in harm's way. You're, by placing that vote, your actions mm-hmm. say you don't give a fuck about black women. You mm-hmm. don't give a fuck about a number of groups, right? So you don't give a fuck about women. Um, so I was like, I don't want to honor that. And I also feel like Trump is uh, on a trajectory, a Hitler-esque trajectory. And mm-hmm. they were like, oh my God, how dare you say that? That's crazy. Yeah. And, you know, Caitlin was very upset. Uh, she was very upset. And she was just like, you know, how Dare I'm looking you. at it now. I'm looking at your body language in these pictures. <laughs> it's stressing me out. She was just like, how <laughs> dare you I'm like, what? Say didn't this? Caitlin used to be a marathon runner? She just sprinted out of that dinner real fast. She was very emboldened, though. She was emboldened because everybody was babying her. Well, because she was the trans person in the room. Sure. That, But my thing was like, she is the trans person in the room and that needs to have a space. Sure. But you're also the right wing Republican who mm-hmm. spent majority of your life pushing and perpetuating like white male bullshit so like there's also space for that and in that conversation she was basically telling me that you know america has treated her so well that she would never say any of these things and i had to in a very succinct way let her know like we haven't had the same experience sure and uh, which she scoffed at by the way i also want to uh, i always want to um reference robin tran brilliant um trans female comedian i know we shouldn't have to qualify that but um she uh is uh, vietnamese and she has this amazing joke first of all she's like i'm such a tra- lazy she goes i'm such a lazy trans woman that my uh email is robert tran at gmail.com like she's like i don't have enough money to transition like i can't like she's just like in a dress and like just puts on red lipstick but she says she's like the reason that um white trans women are so entitled and obnoxious because they became a double minority overnight. <laughs> they used to be a white yes. man. And she's like, I was a Vietnamese man and I transitioned to a Vietnamese woman. Well, yeah. So I went up, you know, so that's her joke, not mine, you know, and, <laughs> uh, and, you know, and I, you know, the podcast we had with um, uh, Lady J um, and Jim Norton and, and Gigi Gorgeous last week about transitions is like, the whole point of being equal as a trans person is you're equal to the same feedback and criticism and people making jokes about you. If they're homophobic, that's a different story. You're transphobic, that's different. But you still have to be held to the same standards. Like, you don't get special treatment no. just because you're trans. In fact, you know, there's a little bit of an onus going, you've decided to be a public figure, and, like, now you have to do your homework, and you don't get to be ignorant anymore. Like, and just listen. Just listen. And be willing to be wrong because you have a platform. But well. 
I'm not a fan. They're <laughs> obsessed with you. But also, uh, one thing about Katy Perry, which I've never told the story, and I love her. I've no no. I don't know her well, but she always seems like uh, a sweet pea. <laughs> and one time we were at some event together in New York, and I had gotten uh, my nails done, and they were gray with like a neon tip. Okay, like I was just trying. Mm-hmm. And we sat next to each other in an event, and she looked at my nails, and she went, "Oh, IKEA colors." Oh. <laughs> I was like, I, I know you don't mean that <laughs> in a negative way. But also, you understand, to me, that's a huge compliment. I love IKEA. <laughs> like, it, but it was like such thank a, you. yeah, it was like, you know what, ouch, and thank you. Like, <laughs> Taking another break from Amanda. Green Chef. Mm-hmm. A company's not going to put green on the front of their name mm-hmm. unless they're ready to walk the walk. Mm-hmm. And Green Chef does that. Mm-hmm. Green Chef is a CCOF certified meal kit company. Green Chef makes eating well easy (laughs) with plans to fit every lifestyle, whether you're keto, paleo, vegetarian, gluten-free, or just pretending to be one of those. (laughs) Green Chef offers a range of recipes to suit your preferences and the person you pretend to be. (laughs) Green Chef is pre-proportioned. It means you'll actually reduce your food waste (gasps) by at least 25%. Compared wow. to grocery shopping, where you're a wasteful dick face. <laughs> Green Chef's pre-made and pre-measured sauces, dressings, and spices get you more chef-curated flavor in less time. Green Chef offers 35 nutritious and flavorful options to choose from every week. Is featuring- it a nutritious? No, 35 nutritious. Is nutritious a word? No. no. Nutritious. <laughs> Bummer. What chaos is this? <laughs> flavorful <laughs> options to choose from every week. Week featuring premium clean ingredients. Peak freshness. Peak freshness. Peak. I use Green Chef and I love it. Green Chef is now owned by HelloFresh. And with a wider array of meal plans to choose from, there's something for everyone. I love switching between the brands and now our listeners can enjoy both brands at a discount. Go to greenchef.com slash Whitney130 and use code Whitney130 to get $130 off plus free shipping. What's nutmeg? That's greenchef.com slash Whitney130 and use code Whitney130. Oh, fuck clothes. Don't get me started on clothes. <laughs> want to and use code Whitney 130 they have needles on the end of them to get $130 off plus free shipping the number one uh, meal kit for eating well only needed to be used back when meat was putrefying <laughs> and they just had to use spices to cover the rotting smell and taste hot take so here's my deal with furniture as someone that just furnished a home mm-hmm. and cannot believe the racket racket of furniture you're paying for them to rent retail space Mm -hmm. in fancy so that you're at at that and then they're Mm going to advertise and they're going to take out ads in Mm -hmm. Vogue and whatever magazine Mm -hmm. they're going to pay for that and then they're going to take out ads on Jimmy Fallon and whatever shows Mm -hmm. and then you're paying for that. Mm -hmm. So something that should cost $500 now Mm -hmm. all of a sudden costs $1,500 to the person who's like, well, why am I paying for your ads for right. you to market to people that aren't buying from you? Because right. I'm the one that's here. Why I'm already am I, here. Why am I getting punished? Article's team of designers focuses on beautifully crafted pieces, quality materials, and durable construction. Inspired by a variety of modern design aesthetics like mid-century Scandinavian, industrial, and bohemian. It's fair prices. You save up to 30% off over traditional retail prices. Article is able to keep their prices low by cutting out the middleman and selling directly to you. No showrooms, no salespeople, no retail markups. 
Fast, affordable shipping is available across the USA and Canada and is free on orders over $999. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. Go to article.com slash Whitney and discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash Whitney to get $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. And hopefully I'm happy to distract my puppy because he's going to destroy all my article furniture in here. And I hope we don't have to do any cutaways during that because Whitney is on the floor playing with her puppy. Trying to protect my article furniture. <laughs> Back to Amanda Seals. I guess like I just, um, you know, in trying to just figure out the person I need to be to be in the good graces of black women. I when I I as a kid, you know, I grew up in D.C. You know what you need to be? Yeah. You need to be. Exactly what. Black women have had to be. We have to be twice as perfect. Mm -hmm. We have to be twice as great. We have to be twice as strong. We have to be twice as focused. Restrained. And you, as a white woman, have to be all of those things about Mm anti-racism. There's no lazy version. There's no, like, pedestrian version. You Mm -hmm. have to be twice as loud. You're going to have to... You know, um, there's going to be friends you lose. There's mm-hmm. going to be spaces that no longer accept you. Like, you mm-hmm. have to be willing. And that is a thing that most folks just can't even envision, mm-hmm. like, that, let alone, like, actually put into practice. But that's the conversations that white people who are really about anti-racism, who are really about, like, challenging the capitalist like uh heteronormative patriarchy that really creates space for them to thrive like mm-hmm. those are the conversations y'all need to be having amongst yourself like mm-hmm. how do we push each other how do we because if you're not going to feel safe having it come from others mm-hmm. then it has to come from each other yeah and you all have to be pushing yourself because honestly black people are tired of pushing well you. here's what it is i mean it's it's yeah it's, it's I exhausting mean, yeah when david oyello was on it was like you know you know we you know talked about like racism is not a black it's not black people's problem. It's a white problem and white people need to solve it. If black people could solve it, it'd be solved. You know, and so it's like, and, and here's here's my question, just as, as as you know, someone that struggles with, okay, do what what do you do in silence? What do you do in, in, in public? And like Wendy Williams, when Wendy, you know, Wendy's been struggling with some stuff. I know people have lots of opinions on Wendy Williams. Uh, you know, she's someone that, you know, I just, you know, they asked me to co- uh, host her show when she was sick mm-hmm. recently. And I was like, I don't need to do that. It's I, And I was like, you know what? She supported me before. I love her. I'm sure she's, you said a lot of crazy shit. That's kind of what she does. And I, I, I don't even know enough about her canon of work to know what she said that's problematic or not. Um, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I think the, the best use of me in any of the late night or daytime spaces is to be able to surrender the opportunity. So, you know, mm-hmm. if Ellen's like, do you want to come on? I'm like, I've been on there. I don't need to go on there anymore. I don't really think it even moves the needle for me, but you know who'd be great? Nicole Byer. You know who'd be great? Mm-hmm. Phoebe Roberts or whoever, right? And so I was like, okay, this is, I don't need to do this. Honestly, it's like, I know I'm going to get a bunch of shit for it and I'm just going to get death threats and shit. Um, but I'm just going to go on under the conceit or the auspices that they let me have like a black woman co-host. Like what, like, and I had Dulce Sloan and Miss Pat for two and Michelle Buteau for two who maybe would have gotten it on their own down the line. But at that time, you know, Mm -hmm. so that's what I did. And then, you know, maybe I magnified it and it was hilarious and they're, you know, and they should have been doing it alone, frankly, but it just wasn't. For whatever reason, that wasn't what was happening. Mm-hmm. And uh, with no judgments. I think it's Wendy just wanted to bring on people that she had been on the show a lot that she yeah. they knew, you know? And so um, 
and then it was like I, I got a little bit of shit like oh we get it you have black friends and it was like I mean there's always gonna be yeah I was like okay something. I guess I, I you know I, I don't know it was like but that <laughs> that is a part of the path I yeah. mean Martin Luther King Jr. had like a 27% don't quote me approval rate when he passed away I mean it was yeah. so well, well I, when he was assassinated, I apologize. Jesus. When he was murdered mm-hmm. and assassinated prematurely uh, by, and his life was taken prematurely by the system. But it's all like, me. It, it becomes, it becomes around, like, that's just what it is. I mean, but it's also, as I'm saying it, what I would say to someone else, a white person in private is like, it's on me to tolerate that discomfort. Yes, it is. It's okay to be uncomfortable. It because is. white people are so used to being comfortable all the time and then getting some feedback. Like, you know, and and I guess I just wanted to, you know, I talked about it a little bit with Ms. Pat when I dated. Uh, 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 I had interracial relationships when I was younger when you didn't even really know what was happening. Mm-hmm. You was like, it was, you would like, just go to their house and see different shit in the fridge. But it, there was you were too young to even know what was happening, okay. you know? Mm-hmm. I remember leaving uh, a, a guy's house that I was dating um, uh, when I was younger, who's black. And I remember his mom saying like, you can't wear a hoodie out of the house. Mm-hmm. And I didn't under, I didn't understand what that meant. You know, I was too right. young, right? I was too young to understand what, what was happening. And, uh, and then his sisters would make fun of me and bully, you know, I like, I just was like, I'm just younger, you know? And then I, I, I didn't understand till later when we would walk through a restaurant when I, dated a black man like five years ago and we'd walk to restaurants and it was like, what the fuck are you? Lo-? I just remember being like, this is a, like, do you not understand what's happening? And I, and he was like, yeah, this is just my life all the time. Mm-hmm. And it was like, we'd walk on an airplane and everyone was like, and I was like, yeah, wh- what are you looking at? And I was like trying to fight with everybody. And he was like, you have n- like, I can't even, this is just like, I don't even notice it anymore. Right. And yeah, this is regular, but where, cause, but <laughs> When we would walk into a black space, all the black women were like, you need to get the fuck out of here. And I was like, oh, like, you know, do you, I just, I don't know. I guess I just am curious. So what's the question? The question is like, what, how how do you feel when you see a white woman dating a black man? It depends on who she is. Okay. It depends on who she is. It depends on who he is. And, you know... I think that Godfrey talks a lot about this and he's like, you know, we love to say things like love is love and love conquers all. Mm -hmm. But that is a fake response to like the true advancement or lack of advancement of us as a society. Like we still very much can't recognize when there's a fetishized when there's a yeah. fetishizing going on. We still very much can't recognize when we are individualizing somebody without without actually understanding that like we still hold the same prejudices for other people but we but we've chosen this person. So like people love to be like, "Oh, like I, that's the whole thing about the black friend. Like, oh, how can I be get, how can I be racist if I'm dating a black person?" It's like, you've come to know this person yeah. interpersonally. That's different Mm -hmm. than you supporting a system. Of course. In fact, (laughs) you probably sit on the bench because you're like, I suck black neck so I can sit on the bench. I'm good. I've done my part. Whereas like, that's not actual activism. And I also remember, and this is something that there's no way this is not going to get cut up and make, get me canceled. But, um, you know, when he would be at my house and friends would come over or like four or five friends that were white and it was just him. 
the way that white, my white friends would, that I've known for 20 years, mm-hmm. engage with him was totally different. Like, when people talked to him, they would, like, start bouncing. Mm-hmm. And it was like, th- his presence is affecting everyone in here. People would, I remember I used to work for a late night talk show, uh, my first job as a writer. Mm-hmm. And when Black Guest would come on, all of a sudden, he'd be like, yeah, so when does your album drop? Hey, bro. And it was like, you never say that. Sup. So when is that? There's shoulders on like the white, like, and I was, we'd all be like, oh my God, you have, you know, so, so I guess for me, it's just like white people's embarrassment being the reason they can't like step up. Like you have to move through that because you can't pretend like it doesn't affect the way that you behave and, right. and, and act because you're moving your shoulders. I'm like, what do you mean? I don't you're see color. so affect Exactly. Then why are you dancing? <laughs> It's exactly. Like it's in your body. Why are you saying albums dropping with your shoulders? <laughs> it's like, and also thinking black people are cool is not the same as doing anti-racist work. It, at 1,000%, right? because that still objectifies us. Knowing every lyric to every Tropical Quest album doesn't make you, that's not the same as like, okay, how do I make sure that... Because you're still just participating in the commodifying and like you can appreciate but you're still just participating in the capitalism of like black cart black culture etc like that doesn't make you like being able to acknowledge our dopeness doesn't make you anti-racist the anti-racism comes in being able to acknowledge white supremacist trash that like recognizing black dopeness is easy it's never been a problem yeah 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 it's never been an Stealing issue. from it. It's See, so, yeah. I mean, it's my, my lawyer is writing an entire book about how black IP has just been systematically taken over the years and years and years and years yeah. and years that we have been in this nation. That's the easy part. The hard part is being able to self-identify where have we gone wrong as white people. That's that's the part, you know, and I feel like that's luckily there there is a. There's a movement in that right direction. I, I mean, George Floyd sparked an awakening of sorts. And I think the younger generation I, does hold a lot of promise just in their tenacity. I mean, that's always been the case, right? Like, it's always been the kids. I mean, the, the civil rights movement was mm-hmm. not led by no. elders. No. You know, it was propelled by youth who were just like, I'm done. Mom, I'm about to get arrested tonight because I'm going to go and sit at this Woolworth uh, yeah, counter lunch counter but nonetheless but like why are why, like is there like who 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 can be like hey any movies that bent that are made about black trauma or slavery all that money has to go that is made any profits made from that have to go to some kind of reparations fund like how do you how but those are i mean that's as easy as a chairman and ceo of the studio that makes the film like it's not it's not i mean that can be contractually designed like if uh, if if steven spielberg decides to make a black a film that's chronicling i don't know um like an that's chronicling ida b wells let's just say ida b wells and he in the contract says that on the back end of this Ten percent of this has to go to this fund etc mm-hmm. i mean that's how this town works yeah. and then has a lawyer that makes sure that it goes there and it's also it's driven by the talent so it's like i did this um you know thing on community and sandra bullock came on and uh mike jackson who runs john legend's company he's like my best friend from college and so i like had him hop on and and, and we were talking about you know all the movies that he had in development um you know and 
all the black people in the room that were in the community room, clubhouse, I'm sorry, clubhouse, not community, mm-hmm. clubhouse, um, were like, we don't need to he- watch those. We're not going to those. <laughs> like, just make fun black stories. Like, yeah, we're just, good. Like, we're good on that, you know. And then um, I learned something that I would I don't know how I ever would have gotten this information had I not been in the pandemic and, like, on Clubhouse when everyone was just, like, jumping in the rooms. <laughs> and people were explaining to me that it's hard for black uh, people of color, LGBTQ people, to get into the unions because the union Absolutely. hours is based on a model of 24 episodes a year, which does not happen anymore. It doesn't happen. That ship has sailed. Yep. Six, eight episodes a year max. Correct. So, so when you walk into a trailer and you're like, how come there's no black hair and makeup artists for the black talent? They're like, we can't get into the union. So the very unions that are supposed to protect, the people they're supposed to protect are now. You also have to be, you also have to have referrals. Crazy. You have to have referrals. And, and line producers are not allowed to ask, are you black? That's all. You're, are you LGBTQ? Are you Asian? Nope. So you're not allowed to ask. And then you're also not like, and then, I mean, I'm the one that got in trouble. Well, I, whatever. Time's up. Didn't ask me back when I was like, hey, <laughs> why are all these famous actresses here? They don't hire anyone. Why aren't we doing mixers for like line producers? And this was a phone call. I didn't get invited to any of the meetings um, because they know I'm the person that would be like, we're all wearing black <laughs> to the Golden Globes. How about we don't go? Like, right. How about that? No one wants to, you know, and I'm like, like A-list actresses, you seem lovely, but like you show up after everyone's already been hired. Like you, you can walk off the set if you get someone smacks yeah. your ass. Like waitresses can't. Like where's all this money going? Where's all where where's the money? And we should do line producer um, mixers because those are the people that hire, and they're white guys that hire their friends. And it's illegal to ask someone if they're black. So it's like how are, how's this going to happen? But all of these things happen by nature of having a hyper awareness and applying it. Like, I think there's a scenario that you don't even remember that, look at your face, you're like, it's coming. There's a scenario, I don't even think you remember where we met, the first time we met. Did I black this out? Is this my- You you wouldn't have known me, because I was auditioning for you. Was it the Lee Daniels thing? Because I think I almost, there was a moment where we almost just wanted to hire you for that. But I don't know if it was, it was a show for HBO. So, but that script- that was the first time I ever got a call back. And I got the call back because I played the role very different than it was described. Oh, is this story about me? Yes. Wow. That's fucking wild. I just heard you tell this story. This story is about you. This is wild. <laughs> wild. This story is about you. And it was one of those times, though, where Amanda. I was new. And I was like... Is this this is really happening? And we uh, got, went over email. Oh God! No, okay. I never communicated with you. Well, I think you communicated with the casting director, David. Yes, because I was like, Who this now, is racist. Way, just randomly uh, uh, runs Oscars now. Hilarious! I know. So but he affirmed me. So there was a uh, role that uh, was in an HBO pilot that I did, and uh, it was a character that I was writing as a white woman who didn't who was basing it on a. Person, person that, that you I saw on no person I know and was written for her in a way and it was like yeah I was writing in a black woman's voice and my brain just went oh she's gonna improvise on the day like these are placeholders and there were lines in that script I still remember to this day that's really fucked P is in parole mm-hmm. D is in death N is an N word that was a line in a script yeah, that's wild let me help you. I was a heroin addict. 
And I think that in you and your, if I'm just assuming, yeah. in you and your co-writers' minds, it was like, this is funny. Mm-hmm. Um, for a white woman, it, for a white woman, I don't mm-hmm. know where that accent came from. But it's for, please, please, for it's, a white woman, that may have been funny, but that is why the the consciousness has to come from the top of deciding who has to be a part of a project for it to be done properly, for it to actually be voiced properly. Yeah. And that was a time where it was like, as a black actress, I was like, this is very clearly not written yeah. in my voice. Yeah. Like, this isn't written by any by a black person. Yeah. But it is... It, but it feels wildly offensive yeah. that someone would think this is okay to have a black person saying. Yeah. And they're only, they can only think this because they don't have the consciousness to understand why a monologue about a baby daddy yeah. is not actually uh, innovative. <laughs> and, I went, and I went through this all again with uh, when I did a project with Lee Daniels for Amazon with Tasha Smith ended up playing the part and it was like let's Lee's only gonna write the black woman okay I'm only gonna like cause then and then I did something with Brandon Goodman where it was like okay I I only write the white characters you only write the black characters like and we just broke off scenes cause it was like you know at the time it was like do you write a version of this and then uh, the person I wrote it for comes in and just makes it their own and goes, I would never say this is crazy. This is not who I am, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it, it, you know, and I also, I kind of want to, sh- I kind of want to show this to you if we have time, um, stumbled into a bunch of shit when I made jokes about being uh, from West Virginia and I made jokes on Corden about it and West Virginia came for me and they were like, you don't understand. These aren't just jokes. You're, uh, we don't have clean water. And companies don't come here because you're reinforcing a stereotype that like does damage to people. These aren't just like making jokes. Got your mansion, so. Sorry. Oh, you've got bigger problems. Than I, but I did, and I'm, <laughs> ma- I'm making a documentary about it because um, sort of where I grew up was where John Brown's raid was, and um, that's where my dad like managed a hotel. And I and I and I just was like, I did damage. It doesn't matter what my intention was, and like I think right now. We're at a point where it doesn't matter if your heart was in the right place. Like, it doesn't matter your, my, but it was my intention. Not, whatever your impact is, if you did damage, you did damage. And if you signed up to have a platform and signed up to speak, and then you want to go like, well, what I say shouldn't matter. Like, Right, because both can be true. You can both have had good intentions yeah. and make actions towards correcting any un, un, uh, unintentional harm. And I think, and, and I think that I'm sorry like that was stop apologizing I, I'm not white woman apologizing is one of I the know, most annoying shits ever I know, I, just stop I know but I'm sorry that you have to like come on my podcast and we have to talk about like like some bullshit no that- we have to talk about it because we have platforms yeah and these are the conversations that people are afraid to have mm-hmm. and I have to talk about it because I have to be a black woman who is demonstrating to other mm-hmm. black women like nah mm-hmm. it can get talked about for those who aren't who those for because there's a lot of black women who are like exactly but then there's yeah. a lot of black women who are like I don't feel like I can yeah. say something sure. you know and it's like there's also a lot of white women who won't create space for something to be said and I think that like there was there have been there were so many shows before that where I was like you know I'm just not gonna write black characters and then you get an all but you shouldn't totally and I think at the time 
I, I, do you know why I can write white characters? Because they all sound the same and it's well, easy. Well, no, because I, because that was my yeah. viewing experience yeah. for so long. I mean, Monica is different than Rachel. The fact is that you know than... about Wilson Phillips <laughs> and that your be- best white friend knew Wilson Phillips, you're dialed in. That's but all you the, need to know. But for so many black folks, like, mm-hmm. we have always had to adjust. Yeah. Like, but there's also been just like such a plethora of white content for us to consume that by nature of just quantity. Yeah, yeah. You know, like yeah. I got to see so many different white women's stories. Yeah. Like so many. Whereas like with black women's stories for a long time, like there's this kind of a cookie yeah. cutter approach. In the 90s, we had this boom. Yeah. And it was beautiful incredible and then that like got really truncated and now you get little seeds of stuff right you know here and there Mm -hmm. but ultimately like there hasn't been the same necessity for white people to have to adjust and learn how to speak in these different voices and spaces and exist in duality that black people have had so i have had to learn how white people work if and by the way so many black people feel like we've had to learn how white personality, how a white person's personality operates in order to survive or in order to mm. get a job in order to, because when, and when I say that, what I'm talking about is, you know, you have to access, okay, they're existing from a place of privilege. They're coming from, you know, like, cause white culture is just privilege and oppression. Yeah. There's, there's West Virginia culture. There's Southern culture. There's Northeast culture. There's wasp culture, but like white as it exists, that's not like a, like some, someone said Someone said to me, well, white culture is golf. And I was like, the only reason white culture would be associated with golf is because they were preventing black people from playing golf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the only reason why only white people were playing golf was because they wouldn't let other people play golf. Which by the way, I'm still, <laughs> there's the jury is out and no one can give me a straight answer if golf actually the acronym stands for gentlemen only, ladies forbidden. Oh, does it? It supposedly does. Oh, wow. I know. So that's something I'm tr- still trying to corroborate. A lot of people say yes. A lot of people say no. I've never heard that before. Uh, yeah, isn't that wild? Um, but <laughs> only ladies forbidden. Oh. When poor people, mm-hmm. like white people, being broken into rich white and poor white. And I think poor white is going like, well, we don't have privilege. It's like, you know, and this is the moment where I have to go like, yeah, you do, man. You do, though. Because when you get pulled over, you don't you get shot. Do. You can walk down the street and not get get murdered. So You don't even get indicted in the same way. Your sentences are not the same way. That's right. That's like, right. You're, the sen- like, that's right. All of these things. And for what it's worth, the privilege that you're given is the idea that you are better simply because you're white. And so that has been a huge tool used by the institution to keep white supremacy alive using poor white folks yeah. and giving them this little carrot dangle that says, but at least you're better than them. Mm-hmm. You may have, we may, we may be giving you nothing. Yeah. We might be still building coal mines in your neighborhoods. Yeah. You might all still be dying of all the same things that they are because healthcare is available to any of you, but you're still better than them because you're us. Mm-hmm. You're us. And it's you're still going to live longer just because you have less adrenaline and cortisol on a daily basis from just the stress of Correct. Real, very basic things. And something that, and I think for me, this gets me in trouble a lot, like, but my brain, I tend to go to, tend to go to like, okay, what are the big solutions? Like, how do we like, like look at the things that down the line are going to be fucked, which the conversation I feel like that's not being ha- had right now is the fact that robots are racist 
And mm-hmm. that, I mean, truly, like, the robot technology that, that catches melanoma depends on contrast yep. between dark and light skin. So mm-hmm. it essentially doesn't apply to black people. So <laughs> even, even the, like, the automated sinks, like, they don't oh, turn sinks. on. sinks. Yes, like an automated sink that has, like, the little sensor. Like, a lot of automated sinks, like, they don't turn on for darker skin. It's not just motion. It's, it's also light. <laughs> I mean, Band-Aids are racist. I mean, Band-Aids are racist. Band-Aids have been, crayons are racist, <laughs> you know? And so, um, and also these, uh, you know, there's a big, uh, you know, conversation about going like, okay, the hiring process is racist because you're going to, you know, obviously be biased, but let's use robots. But because data is racist, mm-hmm. if Jerome and Lisa mm-hmm. have the same credits. Right. Jerome is going to have some fucked up algorithm against him because data is racist based on what the name Jerome has yielded in the past. Like there's a great article. I think it was in Vox. But so there's also more things coming that are terrifyingly inherently racist that I just feel like I'm not seeing a ton of conversation on when people say like the robots are going to take over. The robots are going to kill us. It's like also. Yeah. I mean. Would that be so bad? I, I, um, you know, like, we're going to, we're going to, I mean, I, you know, here's the thing. A lot of these conversations end up being more about a therapeutic venting mm-hmm. than actual solution finding. Yeah. Because there's, the problems are so excessive. The wickedness is so pervasive that on some days I just don't. I don't even have like the, here's what we're going to do. You know, I just have the will to consider. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, That's it. (laughs) Just like I have the will to consider today that there might be, you know, because in the same bubble, like we're still creating, you know, and like trying to find joy and trying to create spaces for joy in the midst of. Like when you think about the civil rights movement, so many of us really conceptualize it as just this time of turmoil. Like that's because it was a time of turmoil. But simultaneously during that time of turmoil, there was a lot of like incredible art made and joy made. And, you know, I, I can't remember what interview I saw this on, but it was a brother who had been, mar- who marched during that era and mm-hmm. it was an elder and he was like, y'all think that we just marched all the damn time. And he was like, we took breaks. Like yeah. we had to go back to work. We had to spend time with our families. Yeah. He's like, you have to re-up. Yeah. You have to re-up. Like Recharge. you can't just stay on it because that's what they want. Right now, I think there is a panic that's still happening about like, we're in a pandemic and the, the awareness of things that we didn't necessarily really, really, truly realize like, mm-hmm. wow, like they really, they really put all these people, all these terrible judges in all these Supreme court positions. Yeah. And it is yeah. bigger than we can conceptualize. And, you know, so there's a lot of like wrapping our heads around all of these things as we are in the collapse. But what do you, you know, what my friend was like, I'm watching movies and shows about mm-hmm. folks who have either lived in fictional or non-fictional times like this. I just watched Munich on the Edge of War. And it was an interesting film on Netflix because even though it is historical fiction based on a novel, mm-hmm. it's still an era of the Nazi, uh, an era of World War II that I've never seen depicted on screen. And it's pre the war. And they are in hmm. Germany. Yeah pre the war and they're in Germany and 
it is so uncannily like America right now mm -hmm. in terms of the sentiment, the energy, mm -hmm. the um the rhetoric propaganda the propaganda exactly the ability to i mean the scapegoating the, just the ability to blame something because yes. you know terror management theory has really helped me a lot because you know we're um ernest becker's work i'm sure other people have done um further work on it because we're the only species that kind of knows we're going to die. We are managing our terror. And a lot of times the way we default is a way to feel like we have some kind of posterity or value or um, immortality is to go into, I know this word is problematic, but like tribal thinking, us versus them, to be really into your trophies and your, um, you know, achievements and things that will outlast you because you're inevitably, inevitably going to perish, spend terror management really spikes uh, and is exacerbated by things like pandemic, things like, you know, um, uh, suicide clusters. When you see a bunch of suicide yeah. stuff in the news and a bunch of deaths in the news, people are so afraid of their mortality that their amygdala is going off so hard. We're in fight or flight mode and our frontal lobe shuts down and it's just like us or them. Like you're in this, we're not at war. There's not the same scarcity complex there used to be. Like there's enough food to feed everyone in the world Right now. Right now. But we still think as in like it's you or me. Like like oh self-preservation. We've and we've also like misnomered selfishness as individualism. Like correct. <laughs> like we like to think of it as like, you know, I'm just I'm I'm a person in the world and I'm independent and I it's like you're selfish. And there's a giant absence of uh something that you talk about a lot and very elegantly um on a couple podcasts. Uh um uh, let me say what they were. Oh, I mean, you did on The Breakfast Club, the last last appearance and Hollywood Unlocked, but we're not talking enough about ancestral trauma, epigenetic imprinting, and inherited uh, guilt, fear, and shame, which is something that I have found. Uh, Candace Thompson was on last week, and we talked My a lot. My girl, I know. Candace <laughs> Who's fully just smoking frogs. And, mm -hmm. and, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yes. she's just floating... Through the, the thing world. is like Amanda, I'm a healer. I it's discovered like, this. Like, I am. Can I'm breastfeeding a mushroom <laughs> at the moment, and I have gotten wisdom. She's in. I mean, she's like on another level, and she has like infinite wisdom. Um, but being able to like you saying like, there's no way we can move forward until we sort of like heal our past and deal with the trauma and figure out okay, like what what's hysterical, what's historical. How do we not make permanent decisions based on temporary feelings? Like, how do we like? like heal all that pain so moving forward we can be calm and not reactionary you know mm -hmm. and not deal like inheriting you know you know mice not that i'm a huge fan of animal testing but i've blathered about this before on the podcast but it's really important to remember that um when uh there was a study where uh i think it was at um what's the mit is that the place that seems in, i'm sure was funded by epstein um but <laughs> But still, he got some good science funded. <laughs> I mean, you know. If you're going to do something. <laughs> what does your mom say? The If you take the money, what is it? Uh, you, you take put their up money, their you shit. take their shit. <laughs> That's the fact. You take their money, you got to go to Epstein Island. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. But, um, uh, but that uh, mice, when uh, they were electrocuted every time they smelled a cherry blossom, uh, their offspring, every time they smelled a cherry blossom, they would recoil and run to the end of the uh, cage. Like, you can inherit fears. People that are incredibly afraid of heights, probably had an ancestor that fell off a cliff. People mm. that are really afraid of water, people afraid, you know, so it's so recent. Well, that's what like Reiki is all based on, right? Your Releasing. feelings are in your body. 
Yeah, and the and the uh, and the releasing uh, of that energy and like the way that your feelings manifest as energy, and they, you know, the body that keeps the score, and then just feeling like you're at war all the time. And oh, I think like living in New York. Yeah, and I think it's on like <laughs> totally that fight or flight stuff. <laughs> but I think it's uh, you know your conversation about like mental health and translating mental wealth. I think is um, like that's the thing right now because it's like getting defensive and operating out of like rage and like well I was trying to do the right thing like. So it's it's impractical. Yeah. In your in your social existence, in your personal life. You know, like I mean, I didn't learn how to like be able to be a partner to somebody until I learned how to not be not protect myself from them. <laughs> that's yeah. and detach with love, even within a relationship, going like that's not mine, that's old. Mm-hmm. And to me, the I, I've heard you talk a lot about relationship stuff and it has been it's so insightful but my biggest thing has been like say what you mean me what you say don't say it mean and it's the one place in my life where I'm like I can shut my whore mouth right now Mm -hmm. and I I can win this (laughs) like I can but you also there's a version of winning but if I win we both lose well that's what I was gonna say I mean there's there's what do they say in uh um of course, on miracles, you know, a miracle is a change in perspective. Mm. So there's a whole other version of winning. If I win, that's it, us both winning. That's us, us both being healthier after this conversation. Mm. That's also a win. And <laughs> if I win, that implies we're on different teams already. Ooh, there you go. So we're not. So I'm already in a toxic place. There you go. And would I rather win this argument? Or get back on Tinder. I mean, and and listen, there's a version of win that's also just the person being able to acknowledge mm-hmm. what you're saying, mm-hmm. which feels like partnership, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I'm saying this and it means something to me and you being my partner mm-hmm. are acknowledging and affirming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a win. And when you, and like, when that's not happening, it's like, so I guess I have to say this again. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I guess I have to say this. I'm going to keep saying it until you do this. And that never, that that never And then it also is, okay, because if you have trauma, right, the traumatized brain uh, usually takes three days to be able to, for the um, uh, cortisol and the adrenaline to like wear off from being, Mm. you know, stressed. So even if I am going to win this, it can wait three days. Listen, learning how to wait has been my journey in life in responding to texts (laughs) in professional spaces. Like no email should be longer than two sentences, you know, economy of words, Mm -hmm. but also just like preserving like that cortisol shit you're talking about. Like that's really not good for you. Right. So like learning how to prevent that from having to be released unnecessarily, you know, like just like, Letting so many things anger you. And so often those things are not that deep. (laughs) I I always say to all my cancer friends, I'm like, cancers, you can't get cancer. We need more cancers. You can't age yourself. I mean, I'm the empaths. I the the empath life is exhausting. Incredibly incredibly exhausting it's exhausting for a number of reasons like not just because you're like feeling all the feelings all the Mm -hmm. time but also because people who aren't empaths like Mm -hmm. they can't understand a lot of people can't understand what that is and they misread it yeah they miss they misnomer it and then they're and now you're having to fight against something else and the empath i get you know like who cares about the people that come for me about it but it's like empath it's like stop doing that 
Stop. Yeah. You're actually willing it. I know. I'm, I, 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 to me, I think it's, again, like I say, female comedians are the most hated people on the planet. And I have, in, I mean, the sh from the get-go, I was canceled. You know what I mean? Like, when I dared have a TV show, I mean, the, the, the journalists, the white female journalists that came after me. Listen, like, white women eat each other like rats in a cage. It's okay. wild. Have you seen House of Cards? Look. Y'all are <laughs> astounding. And you think, like, it is the the... And the and some of the people that have been I mean the people that have been mean to me in this business by far have been women. Fine, I'm happy to go like oh you guys had the scarcity complex you had to be you were the only woman in a male dominated field you learned for the men da 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 you make but also excuses excuses damn yeah yeah but also that hurt my feelings that was unnecessary but you also made me stronger so thank you because you made me have to have a plan B and a plan C and a plan E and work twice as hard Fuck that I'm not thanking Fair. people for me having to be stronger because of their fuck shit. Because that is the black woman's Well, yes, burden. exactly. I think as a white woman, maybe it's, it's. I'm like, you know what? No, but but I, I'm, I'm saying this for everyone. Because maybe less white women deserve we, spots anyway. We do that to make ourselves feel better about the journey. Mm -hmm. We should not have to be stronger because yep. other people are weak. Right, and black uh, doctor, I'm sorry, black women have been told by doctors that they have a lower tolerance for pain. <laughs> like, I just... I don't want to have to be stronger because you're a fucking prick. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I don't need I more adversity. Like, you know what I'm saying? I don't, like, I don't want to have to thank people for their for me using the alchemy yeah. of my yeah yeah compassion and my my heart to yeah. turn their wickedness into like I don't want to have to be fucking Gandalf with these people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I don't have to be spitting gold it's, out of it, your no, adversity. No, it needs yeah. to be, you shall not pass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's really what it is. And mine is definitely Ooh, through my being in 12-step programs. The third step is just like, everything's a gift. Everything's a gift. Like, it's just, it's how yes. I learned to survive. Okay. And it was like, if that's okay, what you need, comedian's need dick. Need. Comedian's dick. Like I can okay. dig it. Like it's just like, okay. you know, you're not going to hire me. Fine. Well, then I just, your 13th step. Yeah. It, yeah. Is... I'm well, giving 13, this the gift 13, back. The 13th step is actually when people uh, in the program abuse their power with newcomers <laughs> and sexually no! harass them. But the 14th step, um, I'm not going to, uh, uh, I'm just going to try to have like faith that at some point uh, we'll be able to have a round two. But there's like a couple things I just want to run by you before. And if you need to just Both. get up and leave, please do. Um, uh, I just, I brought this up with Candace a little bit and you mentioned your puppy and just literally walk out or talk. Do you leave right now? I need to leave very soon. Okay. Is there anything you would like to... <laughs> I need to know how to potty train this damn dog. Okay, so how old is the dog? Two. Okay. Years? Yes. Oh, okay. Did you recently get or have had? I've had, but it was my first dog. And I thought I was doing what needs to happen to potty train. Yeah. And it just... it's it. He's just not really... Will you let me come to your house for two hours? Yes. To potty train this yes. dog? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and here's the problem. I know you're not going to like this, <laughs> but making this happen does involve a fanny pack. I love fanny packs. Okay. Then we're good. Because it does Treats. involve a fanny pack and involves just not feeding your dog at all out of a bowl. You keep your dog hungry only and you only feed him when he pees outside. Okay. Only. Okay. okay. And then anytime he does pee inside, you do have to throw something like a dog bowl at, in his direction. Don't hit him. Okay. Or use something called a pet corrector, which I'm going to 
give to you to take today. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You have to make it the consequence really bad. And you're not going to want to, and it's going to suck, and you're going to feel bad, but it doesn't matter. So if he's peeing inside, it's just he's confused. He's pooping, boy. He's, he's just confused. Because you, because a lot of us go, oh, come on, man. Like, he doesn't know what that means. <laughs> you know, I, and I've, I, listen, there's times I've had to tell myself, Jordy is not doing this out of spite. It's all I body have two language. cats, and sometimes I feel like it's like, I got battling. Okay, it's like, it's, it's, it's just, uh, it's a body language thing, and it's also good people don't, you have to just make the consequence terrible, and then you can't make eye contact with him for 30 minutes. Oh. <gasps> So, okay, okay, okay. so it's okay. really the, the thing that they, that is the biggest punishment for them is actually not the negative reinforcement, the hitting or any it's yelling. The it's the no Ignoring. eye contact. It's I've lost my alpha and I have been rejected from the pack, which even you have talked about humans are animals and we yes, are designed yes, 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 to yes, get yes. the acceptance from the pack. So if, cause not having the acceptance of you and the eye contact from you, that means certain death for pack animals. Oh. So it will take, what kind of dog is it? It's a terrier chihuahua mix. Uh, actually, I think you might be talking about it. I'm joking. I'm joking. I don't think it's possible. I'm joking. No, it is. It is. It is. It is. It totally is. It's just about consistency for like three days, huge negative reinforcement, and it has to happen within 30 seconds of committing the crime, or else they don't understand what, why you're mad. Okay. So it's going to take a little bit of like, if you have like three days where you're just home. Yeah. And like, not leaving or not just distracted, being just being there, hawk. writing, or just so that you can get it right when it happens. Take him outside. He then pees outside. Fanny pack food because he's not getting meals. He's not getting just a bowl of food. Okay. He's got to okay. stay hungry. Okay. So as soon as he poops outside, not only is it, here's your food. Here's your food. You have to have like a party for him. It's Yay! like, Yay! Yay! And you'll pick him up. And you're, so yes. it's like, then he's like, I got it. Because with them, a lot of people, and it's not our fault. It's just, I'm not great with humans. Animals is the only language I kind of know is really like, we tend to go, oh, what are you doing? I told you. Ugh. But we're looking at them and they're it, just. It just looks like. Um, it just looks the like. Same thing. <laughs> right, I'm right, not right, mad. Right, right, and they're right. just like, what's wrong with you? You know? So Got it. it really is just nice people. <laughs> it, it, it took me a lot of. I had to. Sometimes the owners usually need to be trained. That's it's 100%. It's me. And then, by the way, it'll change your life when you're like, as Amanda Seals, the person I see sometimes going like, why does she have to spend any of her fucking bandwidth acknowledging these people that are giving her criticism who really aren't, they're just jealous of her or like her or are pulling her pigtails. And then you'll go like, once you start doing that with animals, you're like, oh, I can just <laughs> ignore you. <laughs> yes. I, I don't have to go, what are you doing? Why are you coming for me? I'm on your side. It's like, no, I just can ignore I bad can ignore behavior. That. Yeah. So I can ignore bad behavior. Yes. Yeah, I just, I can totally ignore it because that will make it dissipate because the more I engage it, they're like, well, I just have to do bad behavior and that's how I get Manda's attention. You know? This is true. This is facts. I mean, it's, <laughs> the math is mathing. Or it's like, you know, it's like, it's, it's, people on Twitter like saying silly shit it's the new like egging someone's house I've had to let Twitter go we've all had we all did that when <laughs> we were to, dumb I had to let Twitter go because I'm just like I y'all are y'all are very upset even if I well it's I think we're gonna look back in 50 years and I think there will be laws around Instagram and I think we will go that was self-righteous indignation is a real addiction mm-hmm. when you go fuck you I you get adrenaline that turns into dopamine. It's the same thing as like doing a drug or smoking or whatever. And I think we're gonna look back and go, well, that was a bunch of like addicts getting their fix. And we were conflating that with actual mature feedback or feedback we should actually uh, take into account, you know? Yeah. But because Twitter, I think is 
you tell tell me if I'm wrong, one of the first places that I think black women actually have a voice and get to sort of run shit, it's hard to totally discount. No, I think all these social media spaces have become a, a site of a black renaissance and in of of speaking, of performing, of um creating, of comedy. You know, it really is just um it is a true testament to just like when the space is free and open and clear, how prolific yeah. uh, black people can be in this country. And um, and so, you know, we have to continue to do that. We, you know, just to see how TikTok went from just doing dances to now there's like, yeah, there's there's black education you can TikTok. Get information. Like, yeah. yeah. So yeah. But I do have to go. Go. Okay. And because I did want to talk about um some of your projects. Uh Amanda Seals is difficult. I'm very excited about this. Um and <laughs> but uh, you can subscribe to our Patreon. Smart funny and black <laughs> Patreon. Um and then uh can you flip through all the stuff here? Because yeah. we'll do a little outro before you go of all your um some other stuff. Uh and then her Patreon. We'll get into the other stuff. The newsletter, the Patreon. Yeah, the whole thing. Go. There's lots. The it's always the right time deal. Hey, want to go to Mickey D's for lunch? Ooh, let's go now. <laughs> but it's not lunchtime yet. If we're going to McDonald's, it's always the right time. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. There's a deal for every lunch hour at McDonald's. Now's the time to get two for $3.99. Mix and match a four-piece McNuggets, a McDouble, a McChicken, or a hot and spicy McChicken. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.